welcome to the Heroin TV podcast. My name is Lucia, and I run HeroinTV.com. And uh, today we have a little bit of a change of pace with the podcast. Um, I have a guest, Fen, um, who runs his own TV blog, who agreed to come on and talk with me today. So uh, do you want to say hello? Yeah, hello. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you for, for agreeing to chat with me. I think this is going to be fun. Um, where can people find you online, Ben? Oh, you can find me on Blogspot under Rev-Views or on Twitter under Rev-Views. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, and uh, we're, we've been pals on Twitter for like uh, probably over a year now, and so that's how we know each other. And uh, when I had first started up this podcast, he sort of jokingly said, hey, maybe I should come on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, why not? (laughs) And then we sort of chatted about different ideas. Um, Originally, we thought maybe like a Brian Fuller and Joss Whedon podcast. Um, But then since I'm not as familiar with Brian Fuller's work other than like Wonderfalls, um, we kind of decided to turn it into a cancel TV shows podcast (laughs) (laughs) and because there are so many different canceled shows it's to the point where every time I introduce a show to somebody you know they just expect that it's a canceled show (laughs) Um, we decided to limit it to two seasons or less of the show so kind of like hidden gems that a lot of people maybe haven't seen um And then, of course, the juggernaut of all canceled shows that hopefully everybody who's listening to this has seen, which is Firefly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, so actually, we were going to maybe start with discussing Firefly, since I think um, that's, you know, probably the one that maybe we love the most. I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah. It has sort of a special position amongst uh, canceled shows, I think, because it's just sort of, you know, uh, it has such a following, even though it's only 14 episodes, and it had that miracle of a movie sequel, which is so rare. You know, three years later, they actually made a movie to continue it. Um, So, Fen, did you uh, watch Firefly when it first aired? Um, no, I was um, I was gifted it by a friend uh, on DVD. Said, "Oh, you like TV shows, don't you? You'll like this." And he handed it to me, and I looked at it and went, mm, "I'm not a big sci-fi fan." Um, and then he went, "It's not sci-fi; it's a sci-fi western." And I went, "Ah, I am a big western fan." So uh, I think I came into it about a year, two years after it being cancelled. So yeah. It was um, it was quite an experience. Oh, okay, so I bet you thank that friend <laughs> in your prayers at night. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out that's his thing. He gives everybody. Uh, he goes, "What am I going to give him? Oh, I'll give him a copy of Firefly." <laughs> so yeah. he's been doing his own part to push forward the show, which I think is a great thing. It's a it's a fantastic show. It really yeah. is. What a good brown coat. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's that's just one of the, the really magical things I think about Firefly is that it does encourage you to do things like go get it for gifts for people. Um, I'm constantly sort of checking on Amazon when it will be on sale, so I'll buy more as gifts. <laughs> you know, all my family members <laughs> own it, and um, 
friends have been mysteriously mailed it, mailed copies in the mail. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I guess I'll have to watch this since Lucia gave it to me. Um, and, and, and it just really does inspire that sort of almost evangelism. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Or sorry, evangelicalism. Um, you know, you just sort of want to share it with people. Um, and yeah. I was a total latecomer, and I, you know, I wish I had been watched, had watched it when it first aired in 2002. But I, back then, I was still in college. Well, I, I'm in grad school now, but I was an undergrad then, and I didn't really follow television or pop culture much back then. So, no, no. yeah, so it just never came on my radar. But then um, years later, uh, my brother actually, um, he. He was in the military, and him and his buddies would, like, constantly watch it. Like, be like, oh, what are you doing, Ennio? Oh, we're just watching some Firefly. It, you know, they're all just, like, hanging out, drinking drinking beer, watching Firefly. Um, and so I was sort of – and I'd heard some other stuff, like, online about people had mentioned it. Um, but I had never seen any Joss Whedon shows. Um, and so I had no idea, and I thought – I, like you, I wasn't really a big sci-fi fan at that point, and nor was I a Western fan. So, I mean, it never <laughs> appeared to me like something I would want to watch, but it did seem like um, something special by the way my brother, like, they re-watched it over and over again. Because, I mean, there's only 14 episodes. How many times can I call him and they're watching Firefly? Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> no, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I finally, um, you know, I decided to rent it on Netflix and I was like, huh, this is pretty good. And, um, you know, I, I I didn't, you know, I was totally going into it completely new to, to weed and speak, you know, not having any idea who any of these actors were because um, they were pretty unknown at that time, most yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 they were, yes. Um, I can't recall. The only name I knew before going in to watch it was, was Joss Whedon himself. The rest, none of the cast. I hadn't heard of any of them, no. Um, yeah. Which is kind of incredible, really. Uh, and had you already watched Buffy at that point? I had, yeah. I'd watched okay. um, the first five seasons of Buffy okay. previously. I kind of drifted a little after that. Oh, okay. But, um, I, I, and a little bit of Angel. So, yeah, I was I was kind of... I, I knew going into it there would be some good dialogue. I didn't realise quite how good. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't think anybody could predict sort of the unique thing that is Firefly, but if you had, you know, had some type of introduction to some Whedon um, shows, you might sort of have have some familiarity with some of the themes and some of the, you know, uh, the humor, um, but I sort of went into, into it totally blind. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, and then by the end of it, I was like, wow, this is really good, and then I watched Serenity, and then once I watched Serenity, I immediately just thought, I need to rewatch this whole thing again because, you know, <laughs> yeah. the movie kind of twists everything and, and, it, and it gives it a lot of gravitas. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, I need to you know, go back. And then on my rewatch, that's when I basically decided this is the best show I've ever seen in my life. I need to now watch everything Joss Whedon has ever made. And that's when like, I watched Buffy and um, Angel and then Dollhouse and all of those other things. And so it was really the gateway drug for me. Uh, yeah. to, to the weed inverse. <laughs> start of slippery slope. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's such a it's such a fantastic show. I remember 
watching it the first time round and sitting there through because obviously you get to see it on DVD you get to see it was intended because it was aired out of order originally and I don't know all of the specifics of it but I don't think it even showed on television over here in the UK or at least I certainly completely off my radar um, but I caught it uh, watching it on DVD and it's just this sort of like what's going on here this is like a sci-fi oh there's cattle there's like what, uh, Chinese stuff and what's 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 going on? This is all very sort of weird. Uh, yeah. And then after, yeah, the, the show. I think I think it's around the time that that, that Mal gets thrown out of the holographic window. Um, that I, I'm just like, oh, that's that's really quite the smart. That's that's brilliant. You know, I've never seen that in anything sci-fi before. That kind of stuff. You know, the, the, just the holographic window is like, ooh. More importantly, though, I find some sci-fi shows tend to use their Science fiction as kind of like to make up for not such good characterization or drama. It's like, oh, the plot's a little weak. Oh, we're in a little bit of a problem. Uh, oh, we'll fix it with some magoo, you know, that kind of stuff. Some mm-hmm. science mumbo-jumbo that sounds right. vague. And, and Firefly just doesn't seem to do that. It's very kind of within its its own construct. It's like these are the defined things, you know. The, this is this is the way the technology works. This is the way the, the people are. This is This is the setting. And it all feels very kind of believable. And after a while, you sort of forget that it's like science fiction and a Western, and it becomes just something else. Um, and, I mean, it took a while for me before I clicked with it, but I think, I've got to say, by the end of Objects in Space, that, that episode in particular I loved. Really yeah, loved and I think that's a big favorite. Um, that's the one with the, the flashbacks, or no? No, that's Objects in Space. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Objects in Space. Although, I have to say, that's not my favorite. Um, No? That's the one where Jubal Early comes in, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's... And we have the really fun thing with River talking to the ship and all that, right? That's the end. Yeah, um, but, I mean, it's not their fault. They... That it's not a finale. <laughs> they wanted to keep yeah. on keeping them, um, but but yeah, well, that's interesting. That that's it took till the very last one where it clicked to you. It, it's strange. It, it was it was sort of like a gradual build thing of of like oh this is this is more enjoyable. This is more enjoyable. And that one had me going oh wow that was great. And I didn't even mind that there wasn't anything coming after because at that time. There was no inkling of the Serenity movie. I had, you know, that was it. I'd seen that, and I was like, oh, well, that's... It's not really an ending, but it is a nice high note to go out on. I feel okay. It was kind of like the end of the first four seasons of Future Armor. It's not quite an ending, but it's not really leaving anything too loose, you know, too too open-ended. So, I really, really did enjoy that one. Um, I'm trying to... I'm very fond of Shin, um, is it Shindig? Shindig. Oh yes, that's actually my uh, favorite. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, and uh, the adding of fencing on top of everything <laughs> else—it's just like how many genres are you trying to stick into this? <laughs> and it's just, oh, I love the fencing. I love the whole floating chandelier thing and all that. It's brilliant. Yeah, and and what's great about Shindig is it's actually one of the funniest episodes, and it's. 
I kind of feel bad that my two favorite episodes are actually the funny ones. I love Shindig and I love Janestown the best. Those are my, oh, that one, well, I have three favorites. Shindig, Our Mrs. Reynolds, and Janestown. And all three <laughs> of them are very funny. And, yeah. you know, it's I kind of feel bad to have funny ones as my favorite because I tend to love, like, really depressing things that make me cry, like, in Angel, my favorite episode, in Buffy, my favorite episodes are the ones that are just like so depressing, you want to die. <laughs> um, and those are totally my favorites. But in Firefly, I just, I just love the humor so much. And, and it's in some of the commentaries, you know, Jostar talked about how some of the humor was a little bit forced on them. Like the network thought that Mal was too dark and too depressing. So they kind of had to lighten him up. So I kind of feel guilty that I like light funny Mal so much. <laughs> But I really do, um, because the way the thing that's so cool about it, the humor on Firefly, is that when you can go from funny to horrific to heartbreaking, like within you know one one scene. Um, yeah, like on a, you know on the turn of a button. Is, yeah, which, which it's like yeah, uh, it, it's it's brilliant the way it does that, and it it just doesn't feel jarring at all. Yeah, so so even when something is really funny, um, like you know. Mal gets married. Um, you know, there's there's so much emotion also put in there, and so even though you have these like little comedic bits, like with the lipstick, you also have sort <laughs> of um, you know you have you also have depth there, so you can laugh and cry, and you know, there's just so many emotions that it stirs in you. I think. Oh yeah. That, that that lipstick moment, Nathan Fillon's expression is just. Uh, even now, I'm trying not to crack up thinking about <laughs> that. It's it, it's such a great piece of acting. It's so funny. I mean, the guy's brilliant anyway. But <laughs> that, yeah. Oh. And speaking of the lipstick scene, um, even better than Mal's expression is I love Inara, the way that she oh, tries yeah. to cover for herself. And she's like, oh, yeah, I fell, too. Mm, yeah, me, too. I fell. Just like Mal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just like Wash, she says. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like Wash, yeah. Yeah, she, she doesn't want to, um, you know, let anybody know that she that she kissed Mal. And then at the end, Mal, like, figures it out, and but he doesn't really, and she and he's like, "Oh, I I know what you're what happened." And he's so proud of himself for figuring out that she <laughs> that she kissed the redhead. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and she just like rolls her eyes. It's like, "Oh, Mal, yeah." But uh, uh, yeah. I sort of uh, interrupted I, you. We were talking about Shindig and why that's so. Yes. Um, what what were you gonna say there? <laughs> well, I was, I was gonna say. I, my my favourite genres are I love westerns. I'm very fond of police dramas as well, but I love swashbuckling. I, I just uh, Princess Bride, Three Musketeers is the kind of stuff I grew up on. So Shindig was one of those wonderful moments for me where I was watching and and much like Janestown as well. I think I can say I do really like those ones. Um, but Shindig was like to kind of go to this this new sort of place. Uh, just sort of again it's like a changing genre that everyone's dressed up very fancy the the whole place looks a little bit kind of not unreal but sort of like very divided away from what we used to before with cattle and dirt and <laughs> the cargo hold metal a space all of that it's like oh this is this is entirely different place but it, it doesn't feel too far different I mean Mal's very much a fish out of water in it, and uh, the the way he sort of gradually escalates himself into the, that fencing match, and then 
even worse, just gets him, just completely messes up, totally out of his depth, but still comes through it all. It's um, really, I, I can't quite put my finger on why it's so much fun, but I'm, I'm just so impressed that it manages to, to marry this part of the swashbuckling genre where you've got a hero who's ridiculously overconfident, steps himself into a huge mistake. It's very much like the Three Musketeers um, when D'Artagnan manages to offend all three of Athos, Porthos and Aramis and challenge them all to a duel and it's like, oh, I'll fight you all one after another. It's very much that kind of, he's bitten off far more you can chew. It's just exactly like the way swashbuckling tends to. Yeah. And science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, it seems almost less science fiction than almost like a period piece at times. Yeah. Even though we know it's the future, um, the future has sort of become history repeating because of all the things that happen. Um, and for anybody who's not familiar, I mean, the idea is this is like thousands of years, forget how many years in the future, but thousands of years in the future because, uh, you know, the United States and China have became the superpowers on Earth. Then they sort of used up Earth that was and had to go out and search for other planets um, that could support life. And they had to do all these things like terraforming to make planets livable. And so now we've got humanity spread out on all of these different planets and, and on the borderlands things are kind of like the old west because they don't have the resources and they're just starting out so even though this is a place that has crazy technology that's way advanced you also have people you know using wells and riding horses and you know um so you have that dichotomy there yeah. Which is really fun, and so you get to almost feel like you're, you're like you said, like it's a western, and you get to almost feel like you're in the, um, in the old days. But then something happens to remind you, oh wait, this is like, <laughs> <laughs> this is spaceships. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's just like so many things happening at once, which I think is what probably met, made people too confused to watch it like the average viewer just maybe just didn't understand what was happening um and maybe just wasn't marketed well um but when once you get it that's like its biggest strength i think yeah well it's a science fiction still it's it's still kind of a niche part of television and westerns aren't exactly i mean how many western television shows are there in recent times there's not been many Deadwood, yeah, there's just Deadwood. Fantastic. Which... Yeah. Um, go on. Oh, no, I was just actually going to say, I actually don't normally like Westerns. Like, I I always think, like, ugh, those are for men, and they're just, like, usually on in a Western, the only thing a woman gets to do is, like, stand around in a dress and, like, be sympathetic to the hero or, yes. like, help him out of a scrape, maybe, or, like, be the prize at the end. And so, to me, Westerns, like, never really appealed to me. There aren't usually very strong female characters, but in Firefly, that is not the case at all. <laughs> no, definitely um, not. Which, you know, kind of could bring us to maybe our discussion of our favorite characters. I mean, um, there are so many very well-developed. I mean, in 14 episodes in a movie, you just care about these people so much. It's pretty incredible. 
Um, it is. Who are your favourites? Well, hands down, no doubt about it, Jane is my favourite character by a long shot. Um, Adam Baldwin is is fantastic. I love him in Chuck. In as Jane, it's the whole. He's just so mercenary, so immoral, but he kind of has a little bit of a heart, not much of one, but he's sort of there. And I, I adore the apart from Jamestown, which is just such a great sort of reveal of like, oh my word, he's he's a he's a folk hero, and it's like, well, actually, no, I just kind of dumped the money to escape. <laughs> I didn't mean to help them. I didn't really want to. Uh, uh, but the um, oh. The hospital episode. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the airlock scene, and and he's just like, Ugh. he's there like, don't, just don't, don't tell him, don't tell him what I did. You know, it's just like, actually, I would like them to think good, despite what I've done, I betrayed everyone. So, no doubt about it, Jane is my favourite character, and Serenity, the line is Serenity. I, I, every time I crack up when he's like uh, sitting there and at the end, you know, everything's desperate. Mal's gone off ahead, and, and James like, you know, uh, well, well, maybe, maybe I'll survive. That's <laughs> 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 it's it's fantastic. Um, I'm very fond of Shepherd Book. Oh book. yeah. So, yeah, it's so well played. Um, performance is fantastic, and I kind of. I'm not one of those people who's too annoyed about what happened in, in Serenity as far as it went. Uh, little disappointed, but, you know, he was he's really, really fun. And I liked the character with some mystery to him. So why, why has he got these connections? Why does he know this stuff? Why can he shoot as well as he can? What did he do before he was a shepherd? You don't find out. I don't really... It's just... He's, he's entertaining. Yeah, well, on that note, there is going to be a, a, a comic book about him coming out there at is. some point. Have you heard about it? I hadn't, no, no. Comic books tend to fly under my Yeah, they, um, it's, I think it's through Dark Horse, and they've right. been talking about it for ages, but it's going to reveal the secret. And so I don't know exactly when it releases because um, they keep on changing the date because I had heard about it yeah. like over a year ago. And then like I stopped hearing about it. Then I heard about it again. But um, I'm actually very excited for that to come out and, and to learn the backstory. Um, I mean, it won't be the same as if we could actually see it on the show. No, <laughs> But no. it is something – I mean, Joss didn't just – create that character without an answer to that question oh, yeah. he's had the answer which is not always the case in the Whedon show sometimes there are mysteries that um, get decided way later but with Firefly it seems like the mystery of book was one he always knew about and was going to eventually you know get to um, so I'm, I'm excited to find out what that is <laughs> yes yeah um, I, I'm also I'm very fond of Kaylee She's, she's lovely. Yeah. She is really adorable. Um, and uh, Zoe. Zoe's brilliant. Just so, just no nonsense. So straight laced. And, and uh, but and and the fact that she's with Wash is just really like. <laughs> well, what, what's going on there? Uh, you know, opposites attract. Maybe I don't know. But they just work together so well. They're great on screen. Yeah, um, one of my favorite um, Wash and Zoe uh, moments is in um, 
bushwhacked when they get uh, picked up by the Alliance ship and yes. get rescued. And, yeah. you know, Zoe is off with the person, and she's, like, not saying one word, and she's like, we're very private people. And then Wash is, like, going on and on about her, like, how beautiful she is and the different parts of her body that he likes. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> just spilling his guts, yeah. She's like, have you ever been with a warrior woman? And, <laughs> and she's just, like, she's giving her, you know, death glare, and it's just like, we're very private people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that just shows how different they are in that scene, and you just – um which it's it's just that relationship is very hilarious in that way. It is. Well, they they have such a great relationship, and I I do love uh, when when Wash goes off with Mal. It's like let's have our big adventure, and they end up being tortured. And of oh, course, Zoe so arrives to bargain. He goes, "You can only have one of them," and he expects her to agonise. She just goes, "Wash," <laughs> it just takes him. Yeah. Brilliant. Just like not a moment's hesitation. She just she knows what she's doing, and it's not even that he is her husband. It's a simple decision of Wash can't take this. Mal can. You know, we can come back from Mal, but Wash would he just of will and to survive being tortured for so long. So she just she just takes him out of there, and then comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have to say Zoe is definitely um, my fa- my favorite. Um, I really, and that's one of the sad my saddest parts of why I wish the show hadn't been canceled is because, you know, she did. We there was so much more to do with her that we didn't really get. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but I just loved her, and I feel like I want to be here when I grow up. <laughs> I, I mean, she's like the opposite of me, which is probably why I like her so much. She's just so like silent and strong and tough. And it just like, I just very much admire her and she's just so awesome. And, um, and I just love Gina Torres. I mean, I just think oh, yeah. Gina Torres, I will, I had already seen, I already knew her from Alias. So actually she was the one actor out of all of the actors that I'd actually seen in something else. She had been, um, you know, the evil uh, Russian operative in Alias. Have you ever seen right. that? I haven't seen Alias. I keep meaning to watch you it, but put it on your so list. many shows. Put oh, it on your list. It is. Okay. <laughs> it's on my list. I'll move it up a bit. On yeah. My list. No, it's, yeah. it's so great. But, um, Especially the early seasons, but uh, but yeah, Gina Torres was great in that in that role as as a bad guy. So it was nice to see her be sort of a good guy in this one, and um, and just she's just such an awesome character because you know her role really has nothing to do with gender, and she's really able to just be who she is, and you know be a soldier without it sort of being an issue of gender, which so often on a show yeah. would be all about, well, she's a woman in a man's job or something. Yeah. And they just don't yeah. even make it an issue. No, no, I, I do appreciate that, that there's there's not even any sort of, nobody disputes it. There's never any, oh, well, she's a woman. But it's like, no, she's Zoe and she's just dangerous. Exactly. That's, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. She's the one who carries the big gun. Exactly. And it's kind of like Battlestar Galactica in that way, like where you have these women, um, these military women, and nobody ever disputes that. And it just like, yeah. there's just like no, there's no sort of issue with that, which I like. Uh, no, they, yeah. They don't have anyone going, oh, well, you shouldn't be a soldier. You're a woman or you're not as good as, as the men. It's just, they just they do their job. Right. If you do, right. you know. And then good. she still gets to have some feminine moments. Like one of my favorite moments is 
in Shindig when Kaylee sees the, you know, the pink dress with all the layers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Kaylee's like, uh, or sorry, not Kaylee. Um, and uh, Zoe's like, well, if I was going to get a dress, I would want something with a little slink in it. And and then all the men start clamoring, ooh, slink, I'll get you a dress with slink. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it was just very, um, it was just nice to have, like, she had, like, a little moment of, you know, being a girl, but it didn't make her any less, you know, who uh, she is. But uh, yeah. that was kind of a fun little moment. And um, and then my other favorite character is, like, the obvious one, but it's just absolutely true, is Malcolm Reynolds. I mean, yes. I feel like um, he is one of the best characters ever on television. Um, I just – I just – He's so he's like a Han Solo type, but even deeper. And you know, <laughs> yes. it, you you know, on television, you can get a lot closer to the characters. I think you can in a movie, and um, certainly, certainly, and so you get to see see like it, that kind of type of character so much closer. And Nathan Fillion just plays him so perfectly. I can't imagine yeah. anyone else in the role. Um, and I would have to say, like, if I had to pick one character in all of the Whedon shows that is my absolute favorite, um, it it would be a very tough choice. But you know, Captain Mal might win. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, I wouldn't blame you for for picking him. He's fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but Jane is definitely my other favorite. Like those three. Jane, Mal, and Zoe are my are my top three. And Jane, for all the reasons you said, I mean, yeah. so great. Um, I actually even have a Jane action figure, <laughs> <laughs> and I just every line he says is hilarious. And even though you know he's still always Jane, um, there is some vulnerability under there occasionally we and we got well, the chain hat i mean come on yeah the chain hat. i was about to say yeah that that <laughs> hat and, uh, and the, the amount he just loves that hat sat on there for the whole episode and, and everyone's just too polite to say <laughs> how stupid it looks <laughs> well it's very cunning don't you know <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> uh, yeah he's so he's that. and he has also that vera moment i think my other favorite moment with jane is when he introduces Mal to Vera. This is my very yeah. favorite gun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, and Vera is great. Uh, she, she's oh, sort yeah. of her own character. Oh, yeah, she yeah. She doesn't have oh, any yeah. lines, but, but she's definitely a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's, he is he's just so much fun. I think it is that. The fact that he's sort of stepped over this moral line and he's sort of occupying this this space where most of the other characters don't really go there. He, he's, he's, he's unashamedly just like a little bit nasty and a little bit well, not well filthy actually. I'll be in my I'll be in my bunk. Ah, <laughs> uh, he, he's so he's, true. He's, yeah. Yeah, Maybe. I actually I also have a Jane T-shirt. It um, yeah. on and on the front it sort of has. Almost like a um, like a propaganda like Mao type graphic with Jane's face, and then it says public relations. And uh, so you know, like that line early on when when Simon asks what Jane's job is on the ship, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he's like public relations. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And it's just like that cracks me up. And, um, and my sister has the same shirt. And it was really funny because I introduced her to the show and she had never like really watched any sci-fi before. This was before I got her into Battlestar Galactica too. And she just loved it. Um, but she didn't, you know, really know much about it. So she called it the wrong name. She was like, Chia, I, I really like that Fireflies show. Let's watch Fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, she, cause she's just not, at all the type of person you would imagine would watch Firefly and she was wearing the t-shirt in the airport and this guy comes up to her and he's like recognizes the Firefly so she gets in this whole discussion with this guy about Firefly like this complete stranger um, you know and she starts telling him about you know Dr. Horrible and all these other things because I like you know brainwash her with all of these (laughs) things and so it was just such a funny Moments like if you go out of your house and you're wearing a Firefly T-shirt, um, or something is mentioned and you meet somebody who also likes it, it's like you're going to immediately have something to talk about. You know, yeah. people love to talk about it. Like right now, we <laughs> we're supposed to talk about 15 shows. We're still talking about Firefly. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's just one of those. Um, it's something that can always spark conversation, and even if you're just like a complete stranger. <laughs> You know, at an airport, and yeah, it is. It sparks of conversations. It's it's very quotable as well, and it's full of so many wonderful little moments that just bring it all. Uh, Quite often, you look at sort of the whole scope of the thing, and you go, "Well, what's the point? What are they doing?" And you go, "Well, actually, they're just kind of surviving from day to day. Really, they're doing the best they can to make a bit of money, and usually just making." enough to get by uh, and really in, in the large scope of things at least until you get to the film Serenity you could just say well nothing happens beyond life from day to day apart from River herself you know, and, and her, her her problems and her issues and, uh, and on the run I actually really like that I like the slightly domestic sort of feel of it it's it's not just science fiction on a shiny ship it's kind of trying to stay trying to make money get from day to day and i I really like that very kind of low-key that's exactly i'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what the show sort of is to me and and it's they're not trying to have big battles or trying to be epic um you know they're just trying they're it's just surviving in the black and and i like um, and I think that's a message that's in in a lot of Josh shows, even if they're about heroes and a more epic scale, um, that sort of idea of just making it through day to day, and that's sort of all you can do. And, and that line at the end of the pilot or train job, I can't remember which one, where, you know, Mal sort of talks about how, it was it was a good day, and Simon's like, "Well, you've been shot at, and like all these terrible things have happened." He's like, "Yeah, but I'm still flying." Yes. And, and that theme kind of continues. It's just like he's just trying to get by, and and in a in a and even though he's a criminal, it's almost like he's just trying to get by in an honest way because he doesn't want the alliance to own him, and so he's willing to break the law and do all these other things. But it's really about sort of living your own life. And just yeah. surviving um, on your own terms, uh, which I think is a really beautiful oh, yeah, story, just, and which is why we is. can relate to it. Which is why we can relate to it when it's about spaceships and horses and westerns and 
and holograms and all that because even though it's kind of it's got all these out of this world um, aspects, it really is a story about humanity and and sort of just surviving, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, totally. the daily grind for yeah. the next uh, ne- ne- next uh, paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of why like Serenity is a little bit of a departure because they're sort of a larger. Um, it gets a little more epic because it's a movie. It does. Yeah. Uh, but I think it still has that same. You know, I don't think Mal thinks he has a choice. You know, when he does what he does in Serenity. So mm-hmm. I, I think think in some ways it's still just doing what you have to do. Yeah, um, but it's sort of on a more epic scale. <laughs> uh. Certainly. Well, when it, when you get to Serenity, I do feel there is a there's a marked difference between the TV show and Serenity in the style, um, not just in the appearance because obviously they changed the lighting inside uh, of Serenity itself, uh, and it also it's, it's more epic. It's it's bigger. But it still has these little moments where it's still just totally firefly the 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 well the, the bank job that goes when the reavers arrive is is a wonderful sort of very feels very firefly uh, and you, when when jay's like you know what would be great if we had grenades <laughs> i i really like that on the whole the film serenity um i i i'm glad it was made but also i I don't know whether I... I'm not as in love with it as much as I am with Firefly. I think I'm in love with both, but for sort of different reasons. Um, and I think you're right. They do have a, a big difference in sort of style. And even though, like, the first 15 minutes has a similar tone, but other than that, it does become a very different sort of animal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see what you're saying. And it's not... It's not as intimate of a sort of relationship with the characters as we have in the show. So in some ways, that's a little off-putting. But I have to say, every time I watch the movie, I like it more. And, like, the last time I watched it, I was so into it. Like, and I think that's the same thing with Firefly. It's almost like if you, the more times you rewatch, the better it gets. Um, Whereas other shows become, you kind of notice more of the holes or you get kind of bored of it. It's almost like I become better friends with the show as <laughs> each viewing. Um, and so the last time I watched the movie, I was actually in tears for the first time. Cause I never cried at any of the deaths when I first watched the movie, but the last oh. time I watched it, I just got so emotional because I had like recently rewatched the series. And when I watched the movie, I was just in tears tears at the funeral scene and I'll just put a spoiler warning at the beginning of this podcast that we're going <laughs> to say yeah I'll just put a spoiler warning yeah. <laughs> I just Oops. can't not talk about yeah I'll put a spoiler warning yeah. um, but I was just in tears I mean I'll leave it vague but I was in tears at the funeral at the end and I sort of I think I tweeted like you know Wash would have loved to see Zoe in that slinky dress because she was wearing a white slinky dress at the funeral. I was just in tears about that, which I had never gotten emotional about that in the first couple times I'd viewed it. So, so, I mean, I I think there's a lot to the movie, uh, upon sort of multiple (laughs) watches, but, but yeah, it's definitely a different type of thing. Um, yeah, 
I kind of feel I sorry think... for Anara because pretty much all of her scenes yeah, just get sidelined. <laughs> yeah. And have you watched all the yeah. special features on the DVD? I haven't, no. I, I keep meaning to, but I'm not much of a special features watcher. I sort okay. of I get to it. I sit down and I go, I can watch the special features or I can watch, watch this again. That's... And I end up <laughs> watching it again. Yeah. Well, there are pretty awesome special features on Serenity and there are tons of deleted scenes and pretty much every deleted scene is Anara. And so I feel really bad. Her story kind of just got cut, uh, cut out. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense because the movie is really about River. And, yeah. um, and I have to say, that's the other thing about the movie that's different. Um, that's sort of where I really became kind of... Uh, I became far more interested in River's character. Mm-hmm. And I think they meant to go a lot more into it in the show, but never had time. And yeah. But in the movie, they're really able to... Um, I mean, Summer Glau just really shows her chops as River in the movie. And she yeah. just... That character is really... Um, ugh, it's just... That character is really expanded and... And so in the, the movie Serenity, I sort of see as River's movie, and it's sort of its own story, um, and I like it for that, but it's, yeah, yeah it's not it's not the same as the show, even though, uh, I mean, I, I do consider it canon and everything, it's not like I think it's totally different, <laughs> but, uh, but it's just, it, it just has a very different feel. Yeah, I think for me, the, the my largest complaint would be there feels like there's a step back in the development of the relationships because over the series, Simon in particular, who's quite an outsider, gradually you know he becomes part of the crew and that kind of sort of it. And it feels like the film, for the purpose of providing a conflict between the characters again, it takes a step back. For, for like Mal and Simon's relationship and it sort of makes him be an outsider again which I, 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 I that's the thing I have difficulty getting over it's looking at it and going well they've kind of taken a step back in, from where they were at the end of the, the series it works within the context of the film but I feel it jars slightly if you go watching the series and then go straight watching Serenity you go well they were kind of buddies before now they're back to sort of glaring at each other a bit so, well, more like Mal glaring at Simon while Simon goes, ooh. Yeah. Well, I think the key there is that time has passed. And yeah. um, I know you said you haven't really read the comics, but there are comics that mm. tell the story in between. And uh, and sort of Mal starts to kind of push everybody away uh, in the in-between story, which is why, you know, Anara leaves um, in that time, and we don't see that yeah. on, on screen. and. And so it's definitely something is going on. He's kind of, I think to, he's tra- kind of trying to keep people safe by pushing them away, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, I don't know. The, I, it, it's definitely wor- was worth it for me to read the sort of in between story in the comics just for sort of the tone and, and emotion that it, kind of shows you it gives you a little bit of a sense of why some of those things happened um right but but yeah i mean now it's like time has passed there's some hostility there's like distance between the, some of the characters like um and, and so i think you're right like it does sort of it, it 
it's this jump into a relationship between them that we don't know all of a sudden. But it's, yeah. it, there's sort of this story we don't know that happened in between, um, which works for the movie because then it can kind of have them apart and then bring them together at the end. Um, but for people who sort of are in love with the characters already from the show, it's, it's a little bit jarring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um Anything else we want to add before we – I feel like we should kind of maybe move on from Firefly because we could spend <laughs> all week talking about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we should move on, yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Wonderfalls, which um, was – it's another really short 14-episode series. <laughs> I guess 14 yes. episodes is sort of uh, a nice length for, <laughs> for a little hidden gem. And uh, it's a really quirky little show. Um, and Brian Fuller – and Tim Minear behind it. And Tim Minear was also one of the executive producers of Firefly, so we have that bit of yes. continuity. <laughs> so two years later, Tim Minear got his heart broken again. Um, poor guy, but don't yeah. worry, he's always employed. He's always making shows, <laughs> even if they do get canceled. Um, and so I know this is one that you had brought up as as something you just recently watched. I mean, what is your yes what is your take? Well, um, I came into Brian Fuller's shows via uh, Dead Like Me, and then I watched um, Pushing Daisies while it was airing, and we'll get onto that a bit later, both of those shows, I should think, as uh, Brian Fuller's rather good at creating these quirky little shows that then get axed. Um, uh, so I, I, it's very difficult to get Wonderfuls in the UK. It's not. I don't think it's ever aired over here, and there certainly isn't a DVD set. So I had to get it ordered um, and sent over. Um, and I was kind of just doing it purely on the fact that I liked the previous two shows that he did, uh, and taking a little bit of a gamble. And I'm ever so glad I did because I think it might now be my favourite of the three of the three shows. Uh, it's. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know exactly why. I don't get completely on what it is that, that pulls it all together. I know, I know, uh, Caroline, her performance as Jay is one of the things that I love most of all. She's, she's wonderful in that. I mean, I, I can't get over how brilliant, because really, at the very least, from early on, she's, she's not a very nice person, really. She's quite sort of isolated. She's pushed her, pushed her life away and sort of just cruising along, doing, uh, underachieving. Um, but she's so she's adorable. I really just can't get enough of her on there as Jay. She's she's so much fun. She's so just the way she she's constantly complaining about being pushed forward by these these the the the, the, um, the voices you know the the toys the anything with a face <laughs> telling her what to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and let's and sort of just, say. For for some people who haven't who haven't heard of Wonderful, so I think it is one that less people have heard of. The, the concept is this girl Jay. She all of a sudden um, these animals start talking to her, but they're not actual animals. They're like faces on uh, tourist little tourist items. Yeah. And, and there's basically this muse that is kind of telling her what to do, and she is not pleased by this at all. And so uh, she's sort of dealing with um, all these conflicting voices because she has this muse that's making her think she's crazy, telling her what to do. And then she has this family 
that is full of all overachievers telling her what to do. And then yes. she's got herself who just wants to do the opposite of what anyone ever tells her. She's so <laughs> very contrary. Yes. yes, she's sort of a contrarian. So it, it it's a really interesting concept. Um, you know, it's it's little it's a little quirky. I mean, you know, you've got these talking uh, what's the first thing that talks to her? It's like a little lion. It's the, it's the, it's the deformed wax lion. Yeah, it's like a deformed oh, wax and lion. And it just makes a demand. It, it, te- it tells her not to give 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 the woman a change from the till, and yeah. that's it. And it just repeats it, and she gives you know she gives the woman a change, and sure enough, the consequences don't turn out too well for that woman. I think she yeah, gets... and it's not like it's te- it's explaining any of these things. It no, it's it explaining nothing. Very, and they're very odd things to be told to do, like the opposite yeah. of what she might want to do. And and then the other thing is, I mean, so she's working at this tourist shop in Niagara Falls. Um, and so that's sort of the backdrop, right? They're, yeah. they're in Niagara Falls. She, she's working just sort of as a clerk at this little tourist shop. There's all these little, you know, tchotchkes all around that, um, you know, will randomly start talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she works, well, she lives in a trailer park. She works retail at a tourist gift shop, uh, uh, uh underneath the guy that she describes as a mouth breather. <laughs> <laughs> She's just completely, well, as I say, generation one. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, so like you were saying, I mean, she's not necessarily like a nice person. She's not sort of your your typical heroine on a show. No. She's not really striving to be better. <laughs> but, she doesn't want to improve herself at all. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> but circumstances kind of come in and kind of force her to do that. Um and so, sort of, you can go on now on what you were yes, <laughs> explaining. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm still sort of. I've only watched it once now, um, mm-hmm. and I did. I loved it from start to finish, every moment. And I really, really like the as as you're saying, the way there's no explanation. These voices, these little wax lion, the barrel bear, the the lovesick ass. Um, the pink flamingos, they all just kind of they make a demand at her. Um, and, and sometimes you look at it and you go, well, that's kind of maybe common sense. Like, I think the pink flamingos tell her to put on the handbrake, uh, and she doesn't. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, for the most part, they, they they just repeat it continuously. And uh, I really I enjoyed the, the scene fairly early on when she's like I'm not going to do this and she's back in a trailer which is full of stuffed toys and so they just sing and sing until she, she gives in and she goes okay fine look, I'll, I'll do this if you'll shut up um, I've sort of found it very interesting though because for the most part they only make demands but there are, there was there is two exceptions within the show which is the little brass monkey which he doesn't explain everything he's, he's still quite sort of curt but he does. He he likes things a little more. The one I did find was odd is the totem pole. He's very different from the others. He's 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 actually quite chatty. He holds a bit of a conversation with Jay. And I was wondering if there was it was going to go somewhere beyond that. If if the series had continued, if they were going to make fans and perhaps occasionally there were going to be um, characters, the, the muse, the voices, as, as they call it, as well. Uh, they were, they were going to explain maybe more and see what happens as it stands. Why she, uh, why they talk to her, why they make these demands before beyond the fact that it seems that they always work out for the best. 
in yeah. one way or another. Maybe not for everyone, but you get quite satisfactory results uh, overall. Um, I, I would have liked to see where it, where it gone beyond that, but thankfully the, the 14 episodes do tell a, a story, and you do get a satisfying conclusion, which I was concerned about. I was thinking, if I watch this, am I going to have one of those endings where I'm like, no, what, what happens next? <laughs> Come on, no! How dare you? Or, or one of those ones like a bit like Dead Like Me, where it ends and you're like, oh well, uh, it's not too bad that it's ended, but it's not really c- concluded. It's not closed anything up. Um, I, I don't mind some threads loose, but you know sometimes there's a little bit too open-ended. Um, right. So the fact that it's self-contained within 14 episodes, I think, is a, is a great thing, uh, and, and that makes it very easy to pick up and watch um, because you're not gonna you're not gonna go oh well it's not like John Doe cancelled on a cliffhanger you know that kind of thing right you're getting you're getting a complete story within there and maybe there are unanswered questions but that's okay that's fine Uh, yeah it's it is great lovely in in the description of what we've we've been describing the show it it's hard not to bring up the comparison of Joan of Arcadia, which I know you haven't watched, right? No, I haven't, no. But uh, Joan of Arcadia actually started like a year before that, before Wonderfalls, and Joan also hears voices, but yeah. the voices she hears are from God. and But God appears as a different person every time. Sometimes it's a teenage boy, sometimes it's an old woman, sometimes it's a little girl, sometimes it's a janitor, you know, at her school. It's, it's like all these things. And, and it's always very cryptic, and they never explain, but it's always for the best. And in some ways, it's like a very similar concept to this muse. Um, yeah. Although on the, with, the, with, with the Brian Fuller, he brings a lot more sort of quirky magic to it, you know, because it's not necessarily God. I mean, we don't know if it is. Yeah. And, well, and it's yeah. all this funny little ant, you know, it's like funny little things that could never speak as opposed to real people. So it, it's, it's got a little, um, it's got a very different, different sort of tone. Um, but Joan and, uh, and Jay actually have a lot in common in, in the fact that they're both sort of snarky and resistant and uh, and not really and so um, you know there's definitely I feel like if you like one show you might like the other um, but they're different enough not to feel like you know they're copies or anything at all but yes but, but I definitely and the families are very different the family in Wonderfalls is so hilarious <laughs> um, oh they are they are <laughs> and they're all characters and uh, whereas. Joan's family is a little very down to earth. Sort of this, uh, her dad's a cop, and her mom's uh, works at, at the school, and um, and they're just sort of this regular family. And, and she's a kid in high school, as opposed to um, you know out of school and, and not making anything of her life. Uh, so it's a very different type of show, but uh, but but that sort of um, uh, plot device of of somebody telling you to do these things and. And how what that means for your life is one that does make for a good show, and it's sad that both of those shows got canceled before they really ever got to explain to delve into some of yeah. some of the explanations. Um, although I don't really know if an explanation was the point on Wonderfalls. I, I don't know. It, it's you don't it necessarily want to know. No, it, or it, have to know. Every of them, they have these characters with these abilities, 
and and well, I think Jay gets hers from being hit in the head by a penny. I think is actually and not necessarily. It seems to be in the pilot episode she, they start talking to her after the penny she lobs at the statue of the Indian princess. Oh right! It spins back and cracks her right in the forehead, um, and that's she only starts hearing after that. So I think maybe that's what the, the trigger point is because there is a mention in one of the later episodes um, the the uh, Native Americans are sort of very. Um, clued up. Yes, see now that, so that, the Native American legends um, probably would have been expanded if they'd continued the show, and there might have been a lot more depth there to sort of why, because like uh, like you said, I'd sort of forgotten about that that, uh, fountain and that statue and that whole penny thing, Um, and there was some kind of legend about when you drop a penny in it, something happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it might go some way towards explaining why the totem pole is is quite different from the other the other voices. Um, it, it, it's a lot more active, a lot more um, uh, conversational, uh, even to the point that she, you know, uh, he, when 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 Jay uh, makes a bit of a snarky comment about the fact that he's obviously not a real totem pole, he's a cheap knockoff. You know, he he, he responds to that. Uh, it's quite defensive about it. Uh. Yeah. Um, let's see. And, and to kind of encourage people to watch it, there there are a lot of actors people might be familiar with in it. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So I could kind of get. I'll give a little little explanation of some of those people for a minute. Yeah. Um, let's see. We have William Sadler as. As Jay's dad, and I have to say, I adore William Sadler. Um, anybody who watched Roswell would know him as the sheriff, and he was just great in that role. He sort of st- in Roswell, he started off really sort of tough and almost scary, um, but then later he really softens up and becomes sort of a surrogate father figure. And um, in this role in Wonderfall, Sadler is very different. He's a suit-wearing type of guy. Um, he's sweet, but uh, he, you know, there is some pressure from him for Jay, she, you know, to be successful. Um, and and he's just got his own crazy little quirks. Um, and then there's uh, the mom, um, Diana Scarwood. She's great. Uh, and she's also, you know, she's probably the one pressuring Jay the most, um, and always reminding Jay of, uh, all of the sort of accomplishments of her sister and brother. <laughs> I think that's the mom's favorite thing, right? To remind oh, Jay yeah. all of what her sister and brother have done lately. <laughs> or, uh. Yeah, it's it's a little oh, yeah, bit foggy to me because I watched it so long ago. Mm-hmm. But who wrote the book? Um, well, the mom wrote the book. Or yeah, she wrote the book and okay. uh, and the blurbs at the back of the uh, at the start <laughs> of the book about all the about her three children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she writes these blurbs about her three children, and and Jay's is like it's this whole big like family drama about what Jay's blurb is going to be, and and basically her mom wants her to be to have a better blurb. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so she well, wants to try harder yeah. at life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her sister's a, an accomplished uh, you know, lawyer, and uh, and her brother is um, he's, he's studying 
multiple degrees and in religion and things like that and and, and then she's like uh, basically she exists is more or less what the initial oh. line is for her yeah she, she's alive yeah yeah so there uh, are really yeah, fun yeah, scenes whenever little... whenever the family gets together and it always ends yeah. usually with like jay running walking out <laughs> you know she's she's always getting frustrated with them um but uh, but her relationship with her sister is very is one that really grows a lot throughout the yes. show, and I liked that a lot because um, they're very different. Um, yeah. And uh, you know the lawyer and the convenience clerk, so it, it and they just have very different attitudes towards everything. But I think they, in some weird way, this muse talking to her actually makes her closer to her family because she starts to be a little more aware of what other people are doing beyond her own self because she sort of, it forces her to do these things that are uncomfortable and it makes her more aware of what's going on with the rest of her family. And she starts to realize that they're not as perfect as she thought at all. No, I, I like it's, it does. She, she's forced to interact with the, the outside uh, world and with people because she's very shut off to start with. She's got, you know, she's got her best friend, and and, and that's about it really. She, uh, she's very short with the customers throughout the entire series, and um, uh, having worked retail in the past, I could sympathise with her. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I do. I, I do feel that one of the things that is they, they are they doing on a, a on a, a subtle level is these voices are making her um, rejoin. Uh, society and, and humanity, and and learn that you know other people connecting with them, and uh, other people are, are valid and important. Bring her back to a family, uh, and it's uh, it, it's quite nice to see that sort of a journey. And I do love the relationship that um, that Jay has with with her brother Aaron. The, oh the yeah, case. it's fantastic. We haven't <laughs> I haven't really mentioned him yet. Oh, I I, I had to mention him. He, he stars in Pushing Daisies. Yes, uh, Pace uh, is in both yes. those shows. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I like the way he's sort of this religious. Um, yeah, well, he's doing studying religion, but he's not. He's not religious at all, and he's very sort of jealous of Jay because eventually he realizes she really is listening, hearing these voices, and they really are telling her to do things. And when she does them. Um, Things are good. Things are happening, and so there's a point where he's like, "I'll help you out. I'll, I'll get rid of all of the, the toys. I'll get rid of all the faces, so nothing can talk to you." And he takes them all back to his room and sits there looking at them, going like, "Well, come on then. Do you want to talk to her? Talk to me." <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like that. I like the way he's he's very. It, it, it's it's a little bit selfish, I guess, on his part because he's kind of. He's looking for answers, and so he sort of sees them through Jay's, like maybe there's proof of some higher power or something beyond. And he, so he starts forcing himself into her in life again. But it, 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 it ends up being more than that. It's not just like he, he, he becomes evolved again and reconnects with her, and they yeah. both sort of start. Um, the, whole, the whole family come, get closer together. You know, yeah. Which is... It is. It's a good thing. It's a nice, nice thing, and it it doesn't happen too fast. It's not sickly sweet. It's very natural. Yeah, the characters are always flawed. Like there's, it's never oh, yes. nothing. <laughs> which is what I appreciate about probably all the shows on this list that we're going to talk about. You know, have that. Um, you know, there's 
uh, while it is sweet, it does have some sweet moments. It's not sickly sweet at all. Um, and everything's always a little bit off. <laughs> everything's yes. always a little bit odd. Um, and, and so, and she has like, we haven't talked about her, her love interest that oh, she has. Um... Yeah, I, 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 I can't, I, 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 he's, he's, he's great, um, uh, Tyron, uh, as Eric, but, um, I got a little bit of Jay, so I'm like, I was sort of, I'll be like, oh, I, I, I can see, you know, it'd be nice to get together, but I'm still gonna be like, Because, mm. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, 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 Jay's like, just, I really couldn't help but, but fall for her a little bit, because she's so, just, I, like, I wouldn't say lovely, but, very, very opinionated and quite actually quite a strong character in her own way, um, and I do like uh, the way she develops and grows. So I wasn't exactly cheering for the pair of them to get together, um, which is a little selfish of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was a little bit hard because they did have some roadblocks, right? We have yes. well, we have Jewel State comes in, Kaylee yes. from Firefly. In a very un-Kaylee role. Like, yeah. it just shows what a good actress Jill State is that you just sort of just dislike her so much as Heidi when she comes on Wonderfalls because, you know, she's such a sweetheart as Kaylee, um, and you just love her. Oh, no, one, no one can help but love her, but, um, she can play the, she can play the little brat for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And very spoiled. Yeah. She sort of plays this, um, as unlike Kaylee as you could kind of get. It's kind of scheming and dishonest and spoiled and all yeah. of these things and, um, selfish and, uh, and she kind of comes back and provides a little bit of, uh, some tension between the lovebirds. Um, Absolutely. Because things can't be too easy on television. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I must say, when I first sort of, when Eric's kind of revealed his, his backstory of why he was, um, in Niagara Falls, uh, about, uh, about what happened, of course, with, with what his, uh, his then freshly engaged wife on a honeymoon in the hotel suite with, uh, that bellboy, uh, and, and I was, I, I would never have ever ca- pictured being cast in that role. Ever, I wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, this is a role for Jewel, but she does it so well, and she managed to yeah. be very unpleasant. But like at, at the end of it all, you do feel a little bit like, well, I felt a little bit sorry for her because it was clear, like, not only was Eric not really that interested in getting back with her, he was sort of only flip flopping between them. But he clearly he was only going there if Jay wasn't gonna take the step and and actually make up her mind about what she wanted. Uh, and at the end of it all, I did feel like a little bit, a little bit sort of sympathetic towards her character. Not overly so, because I mean, let's face it, she, <laughs> what she did was just unforgivable. But she did manage to not make Heidi entirely unlikable. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you sort of have to feel sorry for her because you kind of know she, she's probably going to end up being the loser in the end. So yeah. you sort of feel some sympathy and. um you know, we'll never know what happens in the future, but um, no. but it is it is like you said, it does provide like a little story of its own. Yeah. That we have, and you can sort of there's some closure. I forget how it all ends, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's best probably best not to, to go through yeah. exactly how it all ends. We'll let, we'll I, let I, yeah. those of you who haven't watched it figure that out. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> yeah, and but um, there, there is a little bit more of a window into the future, um, and I'll mention that later on because, of course, there is a, a whole crossover thing between all three of the shows. Oh, there's a crossover? There is, there is, and I'll go through it um, uh, later on. But um, okay, uh, I didn't but, know about yeah. this. This is exciting. Oh, yeah, there is. The, um, Pushing Daisies actually contains um, crossovers from both Dead Like Me and uh, Wonderfuls. Oh my gosh! Despite the huge sort of visual differences, because Pushing Daisies is a very stylistic show, um, beautiful, but very sort of fairy tale and, and unusual. It, uh, it, it the, the, all three of them do sort of take place within the same fictional universe. Oh, um, interesting. So I'll go into it in a little bit more detail when when I do get to Pushing Daisies. Okay. Well, that's that's very interesting. Uh, one more thing I want to add about Wonderfalls is just that it has really fun guest stars, and oh, yes. that were really a treat for me because I had seen these people in other shows, like um, Sarah Drew from Everwood, who um, I just loved on Everwood. Um, she comes in as this as this troublemaker, Bianca Knowles, in this episode, Karma Chameleon, and that was actually probably one of my favorite. Um, episodes of the show just because it was such fun to watch Jay suffer, even though I love Jay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> and uh, and that's just a really fun little storyline. And, and Sarah Drew is just wicked. And it's very adorable because she is such a sweetheart in other roles she plays. She's always sort of the innocent type. Mm. So she kind of comes in and kind of stirs up trouble in, uh, in Wonderfalls, which was really fun. Yeah. And then... One of my other favorite episodes was the one about the nun, Wound Up Penguin, oh, yes. Runaway Nun, yeah. and uh, I just really loved Carrie Preston in that role, and um, I actually, like, I had seen her in other stuff, but then years later, she's on True Blood now as yeah. Arlene, but you would never think those two people are the same person, ever, because she just totally transformed herself in her roles. So um, if you want to see Carrie Preston, in, you know, playing the opposite of Arlene, then uh, it's a that's a fun episode. Right. So, yeah, I definitely think for anyone who's a big TV fan, watching Wonderfalls is a bit of a treat because you oh, yes. see really fun little little guest stars and and uh, yeah. and and everyone's playing a character. You know, they're always oh, yeah. they're always something fun. So. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting to see um, William Sadler, uh, of course, Karen, uh, um, because uh, my experience of him is is very different. I've only seen him in in other more serious roles, so to speak. Did you ever uh, watch so, Roswell? Um, I did watch bits of Roswell. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was I never something I watched that. entirely. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think when he's on screen, he's one of those actors who I always do really enjoy watching. Um, yeah, and he's, he's great in Wonderful. He's very kind of understated, I think, is the right way to say. He's not too. He, he seems to be in the, within the family of every <laughs> very outlandish. He seems to be like the Rock, the one who sort of. He still is a bit kind of odd, uh, and the, his reactions about you know with uh, his, his his wife when she's going off on a date with the uh, I think he's a hot that hot doctor, <laughs> and he's just it's like why are you not reacting? Why what what's wrong with you? <laughs> but um. Yeah, he's he, he's he's great. Yeah. Yeah, very very fun. So, okay, so everyone should watch Wonderfalls. Only fourteen episodes. You have no excuse. Um, the next thing on our list is kind of going back in time uh, because. 
basically, Fenn and I made lists of some of our favorite canceled shows, and the only two that overlapped really were Wonderfalls and Firefly. Although we yes. do have we do have some familiarity with some of the other ones, so we, we have some comments yeah. on those. But uh, the first one on my list is My Soul Called Life, um, and for I feel like for my generation, it almost sort of defined my generation as being um, just such a portrayal of my childhood, <laughs> um, of that sort of time when you're just starting to be a teenager and trying to be cool, um, but never quite being cool. And, and Angela Chase is just like so much every girl, <laughs> I feel like. Um, and that I rem- and that's actually one on the list that I actually watched when it aired because I didn't watch Wonderfalls when it aired. I didn't watch Firefly, but my so-called life, I watched it religiously. Um, it was the cool show, and so I don't know why it never got co- you know continued because I think maybe back then advertisers didn't appreciate the like young girl demographic as much as they do now. I think. Um, but that was the cool show. I mean, when I was like 13, uh, <laughs> and everybody was watching it and talking about it. Um, but I think sort of advertising has changed since then. And if that show had happened now, it would have been a success. Um, but they didn't, ABC didn't quite know what to make of it back then. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, Claire Danes stars as Angela Chase. And, uh, this was before Claire was famous for Romeo and Juliet or for any of her other movies. This was sort of her breakout role. And it's like, when I watch it, I'm seriously like in awe of her because she was actually only 13. I think when she first did the pilot, she's a 13 year old actress. And it's just like, oh my God, I can't believe that girl she might have been 14. I wish I I knew this uh, at one she was, point. She was 13, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, well, maybe she was 14 and then was 15 on the show. Or she was maybe. 13 on the pilot and then 14 and 15 on the show. Because there were, like, 19 episodes and there was a big jump yeah. between. There was a big jump between when they filmed the pilot and when they actually filmed the show. Right. And so I was watching all the special features and I had it figured out at some point. But now I'm forgetting. <laughs> but she was really young. And, and she's just so authentic as Angela Chase, and I remember when I watched it, you know, I didn't want to be Angela Chase. I mean, she, I wanted to be someone cool. I wanted, to, I identified with Rayanne. I wanted to be like Rayanne. But going back and watching it now, it's like, I just see myself in Angela so much. <laughs> um, it's like such a different experience now as like 28 years old, going back and watching it than when I was like 13. So I, I think it's definitely one of those shows, if you were like me, somebody who watched it as a teen, it's worth going back and looking at it again and and reexamining the show as an adult and and sort of it's like a time capsule you kind of go back and and look at what high school was and um and it's just it's just all about little moments you know it's not it's not really soap operatic in the sense that it's not like oh i was adopted and oh i have a you know i was switched at birth or oh i'm you know like, it's not all about cheating and, you know, all of those kinds of things that, like, soap operas are about. It's, like, little moments. It's, like, I have a crush on a boy, and there's, like, multiple episodes about just having a crush <laughs> or having a pimple. There's an entire episode about having a pimple, and <laughs> and there's, you know, like, all of these little 
things that seem like huge, big disasters to a teenager, but are actually just everyday occurrences <laughs> um, when you have perspective, <laughs> um, kind of just are explored. And, and it, that may seem boring, but it's actually not at all. It's just like really such an authentic look at at growing up and um, it's just kind of beautifully done. And, and so, I mean, are you said that you had sort of, you'd been familiar with the show. Yeah. I was familiar with the show by uh, reputation about how good so many people have, have raved about it and said how brilliant it is. Uh, and a while back, um, and I, I'll put my hand up and say, I'm, you know, I apologize. It's, it's probably been about a year, maybe two years ago. I bought, bought it on DVD and it's just been sat on my shelf and uh, I keep looking at it and going I should get round to watching this I really should uh, I've bought it and uh, and I know I, I instinctively know when I watch it I'm really going to enjoy it uh, I have actually watched um, half of the pilot episode at this point okay um, unfortunately I had some interruptions so I couldn't get properly into it but I watched enough to go yeah actually I am this this feels um, very familiar and, and, and to in style to um to freaks and geeks, uh, which I I, I, very, I really enjoy, and I'm, I'm going through watching right now. So um, it is certainly a, a show that I want I want to watch. Uh, I just really need to um, to give myself a kick in the ass to to get on with it. Just say, do this, watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I definitely I think you should, but you know, it's at the same time, it's you know, you have the DVDs, so you can sort of take your time and. And yeah. savor it when you have when you have a chance, because you don't really want to have to like rush through it or watch it. Maybe when you're in the middle of another marathon, because I think it's the kind of show that kind of deserves its own attention. <laughs> um, so when you have time, I mean, I know it's so many shows, so many shows, so few, so little time. Uh, it's yeah. really hard to, which is why we're sort of doing this list. This is why shows like this get kind of lost fall between the cracks because there are so many things on television and so sometimes yeah. people just don't know about this or that or they know about it but they just don't have a chance to watch it um but uh but yeah for christmas i got the dvd um set and so i rewatched the series for the first time in years and that's when i sort of got all up in arms again about how great it is because i had you know it had been part of my childhood like i think of I think of my teen years and I think of Jordan Catalano. Um, <laughs> even though the show is only one season, it's like, um, you know, Jordan Catalano is the ideal teenage boy to me still <laughs> years later. <laughs> um, but I, it, it kind of stayed in my childhood. And now, like, years later, I finally rewatched it. And it's really kind of cool. The DVD set, I don't know if in your set, if you have the, the, the sort of, if it's the same set that I have because I know there's, like, regions and all that, but the one I have has this really cool booklet, and it's, like, plaid-covered. Is that what yours has? Unfortunately not, no. Mine's um, uh, playback. Uh, I've done it over here. It's um, sort of a simple white cover. Okay. Just uh, six discs and, and these slim um, DVD cases, and that's it, really. Oh, that's it? Very okay. bare bones, yeah. Well, in this sort of new complete series that they've released recently, um, it comes with this really cool little booklet. And in the booklet, there's actually a letter from Joss Whedon, which 
was so funny because I, you know, came to the series way before I ever knew about Joss Whedon, but since then have become an unapologetic Joss Whedon fan. I know some people, <laughs> there's some backlash. Those people are crazy. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to read a little bit from it because I think he describes really well um, what this is. And he says, um, you know, I will say this, no show on TV has ever come close to capturing as truly the lovely pain of teendom as well as my so-called life. And yes, I'm including my own. We all stole from, I mean, learned from it, but we never matched it. I doubt anyone will. After all, it doesn't pay. When I pitched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I told executives it was a cross between the X-Files and, and then I always take a moment to judge how smart they were. If they seemed like empty suits, I'd go with 90210. It was a big hit. But if they seemed like they knew their business, I'd use another example. The example that every writer I know still references. The show that, forget what it did for my writing and my career, I'll love the way you can only love as a youth, with fierce bewilderment and unembarrassed passion. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just thought was really a perfect description. And I think it's kind of beautiful that that show inspired him with Buffy because Buffy is now my favorite show. Um, and you know, but it took me years to discover Buffy. I didn't start watching it till 2007. Um, and so it only makes sense that this show that like was so memorable for my childhood was what also inspired some of the aspects of this show that as an adult, you know, completely changed my life. So, so I just think that, you know, it's kind of, I'm I'm being a little cheesy, but (laughs) (laughs) just a little, yeah, sorry guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's, that's what happens when we bring up the nineties, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely think like, if you haven't watched it, it's worth watching. If you're in the U S it's on Hulu, so you can watch it free. Um, if you're not in the U.S., unfortunately, you can't. But, uh, you know, there's the DVDs, and they're great. And uh, it's just one season, 19 episodes. Um, you know, you will get to experience the miracle that is Jared Catalano um, leaning, because he can lean, guys, okay? He can lean. <laughs> so it's it's really – it's a great show. And I think it even as an adult, um, it has a lot. I sort of view it in a different way and enjoy it just the same. Um, but also I, w- I wonder if like teens now, if they watched it, what their reaction would be. Would they be like, oh, it's so old? <laughs> um, or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Although some of the fashions have come around, like everything is plaid in my so-called life, and now plaid is back. So, you know, maybe the, the teenagers today would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, who knows, yes. So, okay, so then um, we were going to maybe mention Freaks and Geeks, but uh, you were saying you sort of want to watch more of that before yeah. talking about it. Um, I, I definitely will say it's on my list to watch. Um, and if you have watched it and love it, you can, like, email me and tell me all the reasons why I need to watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
And why is this not on your list, Lucia? I, I, um, I could tell you a few. Yeah, okay. yeah. You've got John Francis Daly running naked in it. There you are. That's one reason. <laughs> hey, naked Dr. Sweets. Oh, yeah. I do well, love Dr. Sweets from Bones so I'll, much. So. Yeah, I love Dr. Sweets. <laughs> so I should watch it. So that, that will be on our list for the future things we want to watch. Um, and then the next thing I had on my list um, is Joan of Arcadia, which I already sort of mentioned in context of uh, of uh, Wonderfalls. Yeah. Um, and like I said, so it started in 2003. It stars Amber Tamblin, who now is famous for being in the um, Pants movies, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And uh, she's been in some other stuff, but she's great. She's definitely fully capable of leading a show um, she play she plays a very uh, believable teenager, you know, flawed but also strong female character, and you know, she hears these voices from God, kind of like Joan of Arc. <laughs> um, but this is Joan of Arcadia, a little clever play on words. Um, and her dad's like a police chief, and her mom's an artist slash teacher, and then her brother. It starts off the show, her brother is in a wheelchair. He had been in a car accident. And so that provides a lot of drama for the family. They're sort of dealing with Kevin being in a wheelchair. And he had been, you know, on the way, he'd been like a senior, had a scholarship to play baseball in college, and had been totally popular and successful in all these things. And then his life completely changes. And so the family kind of to deal with this, they end up moving to a totally different place. And so this is them sort of trying to start over with this new life. And uh, it's a really, um, it's an emotional show. Uh, It's a family show. Um, And even though it's God, it's not like it's a religious show. Like I don't, they never try to push religion on you at all. So, but, uh, but it is it, – it actually provides a lot of humor, the whole, the God shtick, because, you know, God is a, t- is a cute teenage boy when she first meets him, <laughs> which is really funny. And, um, and, and then God just is always somebody – is always funny. Like, God actually has a lot of humor in the show. And, uh, and not like, like poor Jay on uh, Wonderfalls, nothing is ever explained to her. And she's just, like, yeah. getting these cryptic messages and um, – and for me, the real tragedy of the show is it actually does end on a cliffhanger. Oh, and God. it's like there's this whole new mystery that gets brought up. Um, this character played by Wentworth Miller, you know, from Prison Break. Have you ever seen Prison Break? I have seen Prison Break. Okay. Yeah. You know, the, the main – Two seasons, yeah. Yeah. So you know the main brother? Yeah. Uh, the main guy. What with Miller. Miller, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fish guy from Buffy. Yes, the fish guy from Buffy. <laughs> I, I know um, that's not really what he's most famous for, but when I, I do watch it, it was like, oh, look, it's Wentworth Miller. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fish guy. <laughs> yeah, and he's sort of, you know, he's really sort of ridiculously good looking, um, and it's kind of funny the way they play with that on the show. And uh, But he comes on, and he's just this mystery, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but... Um, <laughs> We sort of end on this like cliffhanger where all this the whole show is going to change and we're going to have like this whole new thing happen and it ends and so it's really kind of a heartbreaking finale. Um, kind of makes you mad. 
Um, but since I'm very practiced in having shows canceled, it doesn't bother me as much as it would if I was like, this was my first canceled show to view. I would probably be all heartbroken, but, uh, I'm sort of sadly, uh, numb to it by now. You you do get numb to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to watch it and if you haven't seen it, you know, do keep in mind it has two seasons. Um, they're each full length seasons, but, uh, you are, you may have your heart broken by the finale. It, it's not, it's not a, there's not really any closure. <laughs> so, but I'm glad I watched it. I mean, it's kind of cheesy at times, but it's definitely a fun show and, um, it's not like the best show ever, but it's definitely a show I think worth your time if you're looking for something, um, uh, to watch. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then now your choice. We'll get back to Ryan Fuller. Yes, back to Brian Fuller, king of the cancelled shows, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Dead Like Me, which it's actually my first um, experience of Brian Fuller's work. Uh, I actually came across it a while back while I was sort of pottering around the web, looking up shows that, that you know, quirky shows that had been cancelled. It's quite a few years ago I watched it. Um, I think 2007, I think, is when I first saw it. And, well, Dead Like Me is, it, it follows this, um, a bit like Jay, really, so this disenchanted girl who's who's not really going anywhere, not achieving anything. She's, right at the start of the show, basically, she's turfed out of bed by her mum and told, get out there and get a job, because you're not going doing well in college. You're not, you know, you're just being a waste of space. Um, and uh, George, Georgina, George, um, I don't know what it is about. Brian Fuller and his female characters with male names. <laughs> We've got Jay, Chuck and George. But um, she uh, she goes out and she gets this job temping um, and then she's hit by a toilet seat from outer space and killed. And it's like, I'm like whoa, that's um, okay. I mean, uh, going into it, you know there's going to be something a bit sort of, well, how, what do you mean by dead like me? What is this going to be about? But that was like, whoa, that's, uh, that's really harsh. Um, and from there on, she she's uh, she, well, first of all she discovers there is kind of an existence after death, um, and then she gets the bad news, which is that she's not going to move on to any afterlife of any type or anything like that. She's going to spend her time working as a grim reaper, ushering other people on, uh, and she'll be doing it for goodness knows how long. Um, it's uh, it, Ellen Ellen Muth is is fantastic. She's really puts across this whole sort of mix of vulnerable and a little bit kind of angry at a situation, which is you're kind of justifiable. She was killed before her life even really had a chance to start. Um, and, um, I had no idea that that was the concept. Um, so I'm I'm getting really interested as you're describing this because. <laughs> Um, it's one that I've I've never seen before, and I don't yeah. know. Killed by a toilet seat. I think I have to watch it. <laughs> Not just any toilet seat. It's a toilet seat from outer space. Yeah. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. Um, but right after that, uh, she she meets up with these these group of um, Grim Reapers who bring her in. In particular, uh, Rube, who's played by the wonderful Mandy Patinkin. He's uh, in Diego Montoya, Gideon from. Um, Criminal Minds. He's he's just such a fantastic actor. He really is one of my favourite uh, presences on screen. Um, 
and and as Rube, he's this very sort of stern kind of father figure for George to, to bring her in line to show her the ropes and and he he kind of he, he gives her the rules and and then he's not the least bit surprised when she breaks them which she does in the the first few episodes generally she tends to try and rebel uh, against the situation she's been placed in which you can kind of understand and sympathize with as you go through this this you go through the journey of her dying and then having to be put in this horrible situation uh, and George's first um, reap as they call it is um is not a very pleasant one uh she doesn't you know, she's given a very um, distasteful task really as a tra- train accident and the uh, the victim's really the last person you'd want to be to, to die on the train, but Rube is is just this really solid, big presence, and he's he's alternately very stern and very serious, and then quite sort of funny. Um, when he, especially his the way that she keeps letting him down, and and he's he's just like uh, he, he, I'm very disappointed in you, Peanut. Sometimes you really, really just right off <laughs> so um, who did he play he, who did he play on Princess Bride on Princess Bride he's in Diego Montoya oh my gosh oh yes and Diego is, Montoya yeah. is yeah. in Dead Like Me yes indeed oh <laughs> my gosh now I have to watch it for sure <laughs> hello my name is Rube Sofa I am dead so I'm to die <laughs> yes oh yeah, wow he, oh my gosh Diego Montoya um and uh he, he's sort of the the, the head of this group of reapers. Okay. The, uh, uh, there are there are several others. There's uh, uh, see, there's, there's Mason, who's played by Callum Blue. It's like a um, it's basically a bit of a, a, a roguish type scoundrel guy, constantly chasing after a high, looking to get cash any way he can. Um, but a nice guy underneath it all, when he's not busy stealing somebody's pants and all the money that's in them. Uh, there's uh, Roxy, who's played by. Uh, uh, Jasmine Guy, she's in the Vampire Diaries now. Oh yeah, I love her on the Vampire Diaries. She played, um, she played Grams, uh, Sheila. I loved her. <laughs> yeah, she's very, very good in Dead Like Me. She plays, uh, uh, I say, Roxy, who's like, um, she was, uh, she, she's a parking. All the Grim Reapers have to make, uh, make ends meet in their own way. They're not given anything by the higher powers to help them out. They've got. They've, they've got to make a normal living. They need to survive somehow. And Roxy does it by being a, a, a parking warden, a, a meter maid. Uh, she's just no nonsense, just straight late, step back or I will you up, that kind of stuff. I can totally she's, imagine her yelling at people. <laughs> she, she, doesn't, she doesn't actually yell. She's just really forceful about okay. it. And it, it you know, and, and that's one of the things about Dead Like Me, again, is this struggle. They're having to um, make ends meet from day to day. Some of them more than others like Rube generally you don't see him trying to survive from one minute to the next he, he's more kind of just there as a constant presence then again he is sort of middle management for them uh, whereas Mason and Roxy are almost uh, pushing struggling from time to time there is um, uh, there's, there is a slight sort of cast change that occurs sort of earlier Sean uh, originally we had um, Rebecca uh, Gayhart as um, uh, sorry Betty Roma as Rebecca Gayhart, uh, but um, she leaves early on. 
I won't go into the details of oh. how and why. That's worth seeing. Um, well, you know um, what's kind of funny about that is that Rebecca Gayhart was actually the actress who was originally going to play Inara on Firefly. Yeah. But then things didn't work out. No. So we got a little continuity here. Gayhart didn't work out on these yeah. shows. <laughs> I, th- I think I think by the end of it, we might be able to look at it and say, "This is how to make the ideal cancelled show. This is the people <laughs> you need working on it." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and she's uh, she's replaced um, by Daisy Adair, and Maura Harris, who's wonderful as Daisy. Really, a lot of fun playing a spoiled kind of wannabe actress type. Um, for George as well, uh, we we also follow sort of a separate story going through. George's family as they deal with the loss of George's life afterwards and George can't quite leave them alone the rules are, are in place and there are various sort of punishments and checks and balances to stop George stepping back into her old life the biggest boundary being that uh, all of the Reapers look completely different to mortals as to the way they looked previously so there's a few fun moments that it, it happens more early on where uh, you get a play on how the uh, the characters sort of look at themselves in reflections and, and George sees what she looks like and she's not too thrilled <laughs> with her <laughs> appearance. <laughs> um, uh, and so that provides sort of a second uh, story beyond just following the Reapers and, and their day-to-day uh, jobs of, of collecting souls, guiding them through to the uh, after and trying to survive beyond that, you know, find a place in society that's not too connected. So then... I say that the last family um, will try and deal with with George's loss. The biggest hit is Reggie, who is once again a a, a girl with a, a guy's name, Brian Fuller's thing. I think <laughs> uh, George's younger sister. She's hit, hit most by it, and she really doesn't cope with it too well. Uh, and it's nice to see that because they're they're almost completely separate stories with very little going between them but it all sort of ties together well it doesn't feel like jar and you're not like looking at the the bits with reggie and going oh get back to the get back to the grim reapers um it's quite fun but there's also a third thing which is eventually george settles down and finds himself a job um working in happy fun time agency i think it is i think that's the name of the place uh and um and uh, it's actually the, the same place she was working before she died. She goes back a, a second time and basically, having had first experience of an interview that did not go very well, she ended up being stuck in a terrible job. She manages to, to connect a bit more with, um, with, De, uh, with uh, Dolores, um, Dolores Herbig, as in her big brown eyes. Um, and, uh, uh, and she sort of spends her time with with Dolores because she connects with Dolores um, and it's it's nice to see that, that there's sort of three separate sort of aspects to this show that uh, the, the mund- mundane life of George going on she's got this special uh, ability now she's one of the the undead she's one of the Grim Reapers but that doesn't matter because she still needs money to pay for her her crappy apartment to survive uh, and and keep going um, and and we've got, as I say, the, the, the last family on from behind. It's a very clever show. It's very good. And I think it's one of the best shows that deals with um, depression as a subject, at least until the Doctor Who Van Gogh episode was released. It was one of the best shows on 
on the topic because just about every single character in the show is dealing with loss of some kind or another, most of them loss of their previous lives, uh, and they're all quite profoundly um, depressed in, in one aspect or another. But it's not, it's not a sad, um, grim show. In fact, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it, it very a great deal of energy, some great dialogue, and definitely, well, it used to be my favourite of, of the Brian Fuller shows until Wonder Force came along. It's um, it's 29 episodes over two seasons, and it does have a movie, but um, I kind of wouldn't really recommend the movie to most people. the The show finishes on a nice nice note. It's not. Up. It's not cliffhanger either. It's just sort of open-ended. Life, well, and life goes on. Um, but a few years later, they, they did um, Dead Like Me, the, the movie. And I was very excited about it. Except as things progressed while hearing about what was going on, it's like Mandy um, declined to return. And I was thinking that's not a good thing because his presence in the show is one of the, the big rocks. He's, he's amazing in anything he's in. Um, he was doing work on Criminal Minds at the time uh, and he declined to come back so that was like oh that's not good but then Laura Harris was unavailable to play Daisy and I was thinking well well, that's two people gone and they made the rather unusual choice of recasting uh, Daisy uh, with Sarah Winter um, who Sarah actually played uh, Laura Harris's sister in um the second season, I think, of 24. I think it was the second season. Um, and it's odd to, to see... Sarah Winter's fantastic. She's very good in The Dead Zone. She's great in 24. But she's playing... She's, she's, she's playing Daisy, who, who's just completely Laura Harris's character. And ultimately, I think that, along with a bit of a weak storyline, the film's just not the same as a TV show. It's not like Serenity, where you go, yeah, watch the show watch the film. It's more like watch the show you might not like the film. I'm not going to completely diss it. It does have a couple of nice moments. In particular the, the, the George's storyline, um, separate away from the main group who are dealing with uh, Rube's disappearance um, because of Mandy's departure from the whole thing. Uh, George herself, she has a nice storyline involving her sister and that's, that works. It's, it's good. But that I think is where Dead Like Me succeeds most of all when dealing with the little things dealing with the relationships and emotions so yeah I think it's a fun comedy slash drama uh, and it's got a lot to lot going for it I really can't recommend it enough it, it's it's nice it's easy to watch um, and it does have a, uh, a, a nice fun side uh, and some of the deaths are quite amusing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, I this this definitely is something that I would like. So I am definitely adding it to my list, uh, my well, very long list. <laughs> something else we can add to a list is that that Jewel State makes an appearance in Dead Like Me as well. Oh wow! Just one episode, but she she's in it, um, <laughs> uh, and she's very different from from Kaylee and from you know from appearance in Wonderful. So yeah. Oh wow, that's so funny. Yeah. So. So she's in four of the shows on this list. One, two, three, four. Yeah, wow. Go yeah. Jewel State. I guess she yeah. is definitely also the key to having a canceled show. Yeah. Um, although she was in that one 
I never watched Stargate, but I think she was like in Atlant Stargate Atlantis for a long time, but I never I watched so, yes. any of the Stargates. Have you watched any of those? No. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't, no. Stargate, oh, I didn't really enjoy the film too much. I thought it was okay. I didn't like the concept enough to want to watch as a TV series. But uh, as I said, I'm, I'm not big on the sci-fi. I don't just jump at stuff because it's sci-fi. In fact, if I'm honest, maybe I kind of shy away from it a little. Perhaps I'm a sci-fi snob. I don't know. I did watch uh, Battlestar Galactica, though. So. Well, I was about to say, I was like, well, I hope you've seen Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, yes, I did. Yes. I, uh, I feel like Firefly and Battlestar Galactica um, are sort of a, a subgenre of of they're a type of sci-fi that I like, and I think they are sci-fi, and I I like sci-fi, but um, but I think there's a lot of variation within that genre, and yeah. um, and I think you know with Battlestar and with uh, Firefly, there's no aliens, and uh, I mean I guess there are robots in Battlestar, but it's they look like humans, and so there's no like weird aliens or anything, um, which. Uh, and it's just, and it's a more, um, and unlike like Star Trek and stuff like that, it's very, it's like a very dirty sort of hard life that they're living. Yeah. That thing is sort of clean and shiny and, um, and so it's sort of, sort of it's, it's a certain type of sci-fi, but I don't know. I think I kind of became a sci-fi fan through those two shows, but I haven't yeah. watched as much sci-fi since then. But I mean, of course, I'm a Star Wars fan. But like, who isn't? Ooh, Are you I, not? I'm. I, I, I'm not exactly a Star Wars fan. Uh, What's they do up, to you in England? You don't watch Star I, Wars? I, I grew up. I'll, I, I, I'm going to be very stereotypical now. I grew up with A New Hope, and I used to watch that every time I was with my parents on video to the point I wore the tape out. Uh, I can still quote large sections of of the uh, movie. Um, not something I'm proud of. Uh, but it is, all, in all honesty, it was um, for me. I, I, I kind of. I'd stopped watching for a while anyway. I sort of started, I wouldn't say grow out of it, but it just, there were so many other things to watch. And I think I'd seen it enough. But it was, it was the prequel trilogy that really, for me, it, it, I watched all three of them when they were out in the cinema. And The Phantom Menace was, it had some good moments. It had some bad moments. But I thought, I still think Duel of the Fates with Darth Maul. It's fantastic. It's a really great piece of, of cinema. Um, not so keen on the pod racing, a little bit too long for me. Um, but by the end of those three, with uh, Vader stepping off the uh, off the Frankenstein table and going no, <laughs> I, I then watched I watched A New Hope um, a few weeks after that with with, with my friends. And Vader stepped in through, you know, that menacing moment where right on the right at the start where the door opens and out he comes for the first time. And I looked at it and I went, no, and walked out <laughs> the room. And I've never watched it since. I just couldn't. I, I, it's something about it, it. It ruined. I wouldn't say ruined, but it just. Well, yeah, I will say ruined. It ruined Vader. <laughs> for me. Uh, I couldn't take him seriously anymore. He's meant to, he used to be in my childhood this big, menacing, threatening, very cool, very dangerous figure. Uh, and then, you know, he'd sort of he'd lost some of the mystery to it. Uh, I, I honestly haven't watched it since. Um, so I don't I don't hate Star Wars. I certainly don't. 
I, I, I do not, Maybe I that's the title of this podcast. I don't hate Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, I still love Han Solo, though. I know. I mean, Han Solo, definitely one of the better film characters ever made. And he's inspired so many other characters. Like, you know, I think Malcolm Reynolds has a lot to owe to to Han Solo. Um, And I feel like sort of as a child watching him, it seems like um, it's sort of like I tend to like characters like Han Solo because as a, at a young age, sort of falling in love with Han Solo now (laughs) sort of changed my view of, of what I think, you know, the ideal guy is I'm like, Oh yeah. Smuggler. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Smuggler. Jerk. Looks after himself. With maybe a little bit of a heart of gold at the end of it, scruffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's scruffy looking? Yeah, scruffy looking for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean for me, yeah, I, I think it, it is sort of a childhood love thing that, um, and it sort of depends on how you end up once you grow up, how you react to those prequels. <laughs> if, if for sort of our generation, um, you know, you I have the childhood maybe, love, and then. Yeah. Can you get past the prequels or not? I kind of, I'm kind of fine with them. I mean, I, I'm not going to rewatch them a million times, but, um, but I guess Star Wars for me is sort of more of a feeling than really yeah. even the movie. <laughs> like, plus, it's such, you know, so much part of pop culture. I just feel like I make Star Wars references without even knowing it. Like, it's just part of my language. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it's just like, Star Wars references, like I don't, I know you're pretty early on Lost, but um, but like on Lost, you know they'll do it a lot. Like Hurley will make Star Wars references, and it always makes me smile when when any character does because it just kind of seems like me and that character who made that reference share something, you know. Yeah, well, they are they are very very quotable films, and there is an awful lot in them that is is great. And I think the Empire Empire Strikes Back, I think is is one of the finest. Ever, it's brilliant. Um, I, I just I can't get myself to enjoy them the way I used to, and maybe that's because I loved them too much as a kid, and I really probably had a different idea of what I was going to see. Um, yeah. The prequels. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get over it one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, that that's it's, this isn't a Star Wars podcast, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. Well. To go a completely different route from sci-fi, the next show on our list is Jack and Bobby. And uh, have you ever heard of it or seen it, Fen? I haven't heard anything about this, no. Okay. Well, I just discovered it via Twitter, actually, um, because I am very susceptible to suggestion on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) People mention something, and they're, like, live-tweeting from a show, and I'm like, ooh, what's that? uh, Shiny... Yeah, ooh, shiny new thing I've never heard of. How exciting. And um, I think, actually, I had heard of Jack and Bobby when it first aired, because it aired in 2004 on the WB, and I was a WB watcher. So there were previews for it and stuff, but it never really, like, appealed to me. Like, that was back when I was watching Gilmore Girls and Smallville and stuff. And, uh, but now, like, having watched Everwood and all that, this is actually developed by the same guy who did Everwood, Greg Berlanti. And um, the concept is that it's sort of a faux documentary from 2049, like so way in the future. Um, so, so sci-fi then. 
(laughs) (laughs) Sort of. It's, uh, yeah, well, it happens in the future, but it's not really sci-fi. But (laughs) it's like this documentary about a former president, Robert McAllister. And so um, in the process of these people in the future talking about this former president, Robert McAllister, um, we then have these flashbacks to his current life or to his past life, which is like in our day. So he's growing up yeah. in the early 2000s um, as a young boy. He's yeah. like 11 or like 12 or something when the show starts. And he has an older brother. And there's, so there's two boys, Jack and Bobby, from the title, as you can tell. And they're definitely playing on the whole Kennedy thing with that title and with these two boys because um, you've got okay. – you know, Jack and Bobby, <laughs> and one of them's going to be a future president, and the other one's going to have a great future as well, and sort of what will that future be, and so there's a little bit of a mystery, you know, you're sort of, uh, the you're getting little bits and pieces from the documentary in each episode, and you're getting little bits and bits and pieces of their past, too, yeah. so um, it, it's a pretty awesome concept, and, um, and I was actually surprised with how fascinated I was with the stuff in the future, like which is just people talking to the screen, like it's a documentary, and they're interviewing yeah. these same people. But I was actually really fast. I wanted to know what happens in the future, you know. Um, and and normally, you know, sometimes yeah. a concept like that wouldn't necessarily work because you might not have the same drama. But because you get so invested in their childhoods, which you're watching yeah. happen, um, because you've got Jack, who is the older brother, and he's like a 16-year-old or something, although he's played by somebody much older and very cute. And then there's a the young like twelve year old boy and um and and just the relationship between the brothers and the different things go on in their life they 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 have a single mom played by Christine Lottie um, her name is Grace and she's sort of a mess I mean she's sort of she's like very left wing liberal she's a professor but she's sort of she's very strident in all of her views and so she can be a little bit unlikable at times because she's always like forcing everybody else to like listen to her opinions um a little bit and so even though I tend to agree with her it's hard to kind of like her sometimes um because she is just kind of one note a little bit she's a little bit extreme yeah Um, and then, so she works at this, but she's very educated um, woman. Uh, she's, like I said, she's a professor. And at the university where she teaches, a new president comes in. And he's played by John Slattery, who I know now as Roger on Mad Men. And yeah. John Slattery is just so John Slattery in every role he plays. <laughs> and this is like just the same uh he's drink- connery school of acting <laughs> yeah but but he drinks less uh yeah. in this show. <laughs> but oh, he's just right. very charming I, I mean i just think there's just something very charming about him yeah. and uh he comes and so and and peter benedict who he plays has a daughter who of course is the same age as jack you know and so there's sort of this love interest between his daughter courtney played by jessica pare who is really quite good and is now on mad men as a secretary <laughs> and also jack the guy who plays jack um matt long is also now on mad men so it's like a little mad men um there's a little jack and bobby reunion going on on mad men right now <laughs> in season 4 <laughs> it's it, it's stuff you haven't seen yet but uh no oh, i haven't no but uh, when you get to it, you'll be like, wow, there's a lot of people from Jack and Bobby on this show. Uh, <laughs> if you ever watch Jack and Bobby. Um, oh, yeah, I will do. 
Yeah, yeah but I mean, it, it's just one season. It's actually like a full season. I think it's like 22 episodes yep. or something. And um, you can watch, if you're in the U.S., you can watch it on um, Hulu. And also it's on Netflix streaming right now. And there's also the WB.com, which I don't know if you guys have access to it in other countries. But basically the, w, the Warner Brothers started up a site like a year ago to sort of and it has video from a lot of its old shows and what? so any the wb.com has all of jack and bobby so if you want to like marathon it warning it's dangerously addictive and you might marathon it in two days like i did <laughs> oh. um i was just i got totally into it and um it totally just grabbed me um it's very like classic wb um, not CW, classic like WB, <laughs> and so it's totally my cup of tea. So if you like those kinds of shows like Everwood and Gilmore Girls and things like that, it's I don't know. It, it you can tell it's from the same network. Yeah. Uh, but it all but it also seems a little bit more adult because it does have kind of this West Wing feel because of this documentary, and there's sort of um, there's a scope to it that is a little bit bigger than some of these other like teen dramas yeah. and it's and it's more of a family show than a teen drama like it, it's definitely like more like everwood in that sense so it's not really just about it's not about relationships really it's kind of about the small town and these characters and the way that they're growing up in this small town so um so it, it's i can't praise it enough i'm totally in love with it <laughs> and i only just watched it well, like, well, a few months ago <laughs> Actually, <laughs> well, you mentioned you, yeah, you mentioned West Wing within, so you know that's uh, that, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be as great as West Wing because well, you know yeah. it's not that at that same level. But I mean, it, it's if uh, have you ever seen Everwood? I haven't seen Everwood. Oh, no. Put that on the list too. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to be here all day writing things <laughs> down on this list. I know, but Everwood had four seasons, so I couldn't put it on the, on this list. But uh, it can go on your to watch list. But it. If you like Everwood, I feel like you would like um, – it's kind of like a mix between Everwood and the West Wing. Yeah. So, anyways, I'll stop going on and on about it, but uh, <laughs> it's very – it's a very well-done little show. I really wish I could have found out more about about the McAllisters. Um, yeah. And fun little trivia note, um, Greg Berlanti also uh, is one of the producers on uh, Brothers and Sisters – have you seen Brothers and Sisters? I, I haven't. Show. I know of it. Yeah, it's an yeah. ABC show. Callista Flockhart is in it and Sally Field. But uh, that's yeah. not a canceled show. It's still going on. But there's a character named Robert McAllister in that show, which is a callback to Jack and Bobby because Greg Berlanti is on both show, worked on both right. shows. And, and the character is actually a presidential candidate. So it's kind of a, a fun little callback. Whenever I hear Robert McAllister on Brothers and Sisters now, I think of Robert McAllister from Jack and Bobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they sort of make it uh, – there's a lot of similarities between the two characters, although I like the guy on Jack and Bobby a lot more than uh, the one on Brothers and Sisters. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, um, enough about that one. Let's move on to your your next pick. Yes, yeah. Hey, um, what's about it? This this was a late entry to the, the pick list because when I was going through cancelled shows, I went, ooh, I'm, I'm really not, not thinking from this side of the pond on at all. Uh, and I was sort of looking around and thinking, well, there must be something because uh, 
you know, it's not like every show in Britain gets to run its full length. Uh, there, there are plenty of great shows out there. Um, originally, I was thinking about maybe going through on Spaced, which have you? Do you know of Spaced? Have you seen Spaced at all? The only thing I know of it is sort of what I think you had maybe mentioned it in an email, and then I think I've seen it on Twitter mentioned occasionally, yeah. but I don't really know much about it. No, um, well, I, I couldn't. I, I sort of looked at it. I couldn't really have spaced as a cancer show because although it's only two seasons and 14 episodes it, it kind of it was more of a case of the writers saying that they were going to um, leave it so uh, I, I was at a bit of a loss I was thinking well what, what am I doing for, for, the, for the British if I'm not picking something well that's not what I was thinking at all <laughs> I was just looking and going right I gotta I want to find something and um, oh, recently I, I just picked to watch again this uh, it's Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which uh, aired in 2004 and had just six episodes. And it's a really, it's a really bizarre show to try and describe. Um, and uh, well, I mean, well, even the title. I mean, it's definitely. I was like, I'd never heard of it, and the title itself is like, what? Um, yeah, Garth Marenghi's yeah. Dark Place, and uh, well, so yeah. it's. So, but try to attempt to explain okay. what is this crazy show. <laughs> right. um, okay, well, Garth Marenghi is a fictional character, um, a writer, a horror writer, sort of in the vein of kind of a bit like a, a cheesy Stephen King, um, played by Matthew Holness. And the idea is, is that in the 80s, uh, Garth Marenghi wrote, directed and starred in, to quote Garth himself, uh, a, a show called Dark Place, um, which he cutting edge and super scary and really like dramatic and amazing for its time. Except that it, it got cancelled, it got pulled off the air, and all of the tapes got stuck into storage, um, and most of them got destroyed. So, come spin forward to 2004, and during a, a great uh, drought of good television, um, the Channel Four agrees to air it on a on like a documentary sort of thing. It's um, it's presented as a fake documentary with a load of talking head interviews in between uh, scenes from the from various episodes, just just the six episodes, and it is a, in essence a spoof of the 1980s horror style, full of um, really just completely out there uh, stories that are. Badly acted, badly edited, just, just, just awful. And I first caught this while it was on, on the screen, um, view, on TV while flicking channels. And I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty rubbish looking." And then I kind of went, "Oh, what? Why? What is this? What is this piece of bad rubbish that's on in in like a a fairly good comedy slot? Why is it on?" And I watched it a little bit longer, and then it, it dawned on me. I was like, "This is deliberately bad. They are. This is meant to be this rubbish." Uh, and and that's that's the wonderful joke. Is actually what it is. Is it's a a show about a really bad fictional show that is just <laughs> just it, 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 and um and uh, you've got um uh, Garth Marenghi. Matthew Holness plays Garth Marenghi, who plays Dr. Rick Douglas. Uh, and Dr. Rick Douglas is like this, um, th- th- this 
uh, oh well, he, he he thinks so much of himself and he's <laughs> a cult expert and uh, and he's always to run around corridors. He's a great shot and a, a brilliant fighter and he knows everything. He's sort of very kind of like um, Garth Marenghi, clearly loving himself. Um, and then you've got uh, Matt Berry, who is he's he's in the IT crowd as well. He's fantastic in that uh, and. Um, he plays well. His character in Dark Place is Doctor Sanchez, um, and he's a good-looking. Uh, Matt Berry's got this very kind of leading man sort of voice. He doesn't look too much like a leading man. He's a bit too short, but he does have the the voice. So he projects this handsome, best buddies pal with Doctor Doctor Douglas. Uh, then we have um, uh, Liz Asher, who. Um, she is in the uh, – played by Alice Lowe, and within the context of the show, within a show, she's um, she's like the stereotypical 1980s uh, uh, woman, very, uh, deliberately misogynistic kind of uh, portrayal. She's uh, – there's lots of um, – uh, disres- not dis- exactly disrespectful, but sort of remarks of, oh, you're only a woman sort of thing, as in the time. Um, but – Within the universe of Garth Marenghi, um, she, Liz herself, has disappeared. She's, um, as far as the other uh, actors are concerned, she she might be dead. Is so there's a bit of an ongoing joke about that. That's why she's not in any of the Talking Head interviews at all. Uh, finally, we get to the guy who really, um, uh, really sells it and, and nails it and. And I also have problems pronounce his surname. He's from the IT crowd as well. Um, Richard Iodey, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, I probably got that wrong. Um, <laughs> he plays Dean Lerner, who also appears later on in Dean Lerner Man to Man. Uh, and Dean Lerner's like um, Garth Marenghi's publisher. Uh, he, uh, so he's the one who sort of like he'll tend to yes man for all Garth Marenghi's ideas uh, he's also in the show and he's just he's just so awful um, most of the worst scenes um, and by worst I mean best <laughs> revolve around him because because uh, Dean is portrayed as this man who just cannot interact with other people when acting so you get him sort of staring into the camera um, all of the conversations involve him talking past people and the worst edits always occur in between his conversations so he'll like he'll be talking to to Dr. Douglas and um, and then the camera will pan to, to, to Rick as he responds and then pan back. And Dean's like, one minute he was holding a clipboard, the next minute he's holding um, like a, a cup of tea. And then he's back to holding the clipboard or he'll have moved position. It's, it's just this wonderfully quirky, awfully edited masterpiece that they, the, the amount of work that went in to make it look that bad and incredible. And that's without <laughs> even getting on to ridiculous nature of the stories um just to, there's only six of them um to go rough quickly through the subjects um they are one of them is about a scotch mist by that it's a mist filled with scotchmen not scotsmen scotchmen um <laughs> vengeful scotchmen angry with um dr daglas because he was impolite about scotland uh there is a, a, an episode where everyone starts turning into apes um and uh, due to contaminated drinking water, uh, and uh, Dr. Douglas survives only because he doesn't normally drink water, he drinks coffee. Um, 
Uh, there's a, an episode about a woman who becomes infected with broccoli and gradually turns into one. Um, uh, a fairly sort of uh, an episode where basically it introdu- the introductory episode, which covers ooh, well, it's Doctor Douglas's best mate. And then things kind of go downhill from there. Um, but my personal favourite is um, it, it is partway through, and the only way to describe it is the episode opens with a hospital inmate being violated by and then impregnated by a gigantic eyeball. And it is it just has to be seen to be to, to be believed. You know, it's just like uh, simultaneously offensive and hilarious. <laughs> just like and and they they cut away to a talking head interview with Dean as he tries to justify the scene and he's like and he goes on to describing a bit about how like the actor was very upset about having to play this scene and everything, um, and, and then he, he he kind of deviates off talking about how it was terrible that they had to pixelate out the um, the, the the eyeball's penis, uh, and and that's where the the talking head interview takes a, a rather bizarre and strange turn. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll leave it for people who want to watch Dark Place to um, to experience just how bizarre, uh, that particular bit of the interview gets. But um, it, it's hilarious. Uh, I, I, it's it's weird. Dark Place is just it's one of those utterly bizarre shows that just really, in some ways, shouldn't exist because it's just it's just such a stupid idea. Let's make a really bad show and then make a show about this really bad show. But it's it's just brilliant. Um, so basically, I, yeah. the show is like a documentary about a terrible fictional show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and, it, yeah. And and so they're you know so this, these characters are commenting on the awful things that we get to see the awful show like in bed. Yeah. <laughs> They're commenting on how awesome it is. Oh, okay, how, how awesome it is. But awesome they think bad, it, but bad they, equals awesome. They, they, the characters, Garth Marenghi and Dean, um, uh, genuinely believe that the show is the great yeah, they are. They're, they're convinced that it's amazing, and it was too cutting edge for anyone to um, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to accept, and that's why it, it got cancelled. Uh, yeah, it's. It really just has to be seen to to really appreciate how ridiculous it it is and how clever um, it is. But um, the one thing that really raised the bar for me is I I like to watch TV shows at least once in the commentary on. Um, uh, Watching, like, in particular, Futurama is one of my favourites to to watch in the commentary. Um, But I put on the commentary for Dark, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and I was delighted to discover that um, the people commenting was um, it was not Matthew Holness and Matt Berry and, and Richard it was in fact Dr. Rick Douglas you know, Garth Marenghi um, and Dean Lerner and them in character throughout the whole thing commenting as if they were doing the commentary <laughs> just, just such a one just like you know really just Adds a whole new level. You can watch the show, and then you watch the show with the commentary, and and, and it's just a whole another experience. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is crazy. So it, it just had this one season, and yeah. and did you watch it when it actually aired on? Because yeah. I'm assuming this is a British show, right? Very, very British. <laughs> <laughs> and so it like aired on one of your networks. 
Yeah, and... it aired on Channel 4 originally, yeah. Okay. And did you, so did you actually watch it when it aired or did you watch it on DVD? Uh, as I say, I, I caught, I caught like, um, it part way through while it was okay. airing, um, and I, I saw like a bit of an episode, and it sort of stuck in my mind because I, I realized, I said, I thought, oh, this is really bad, and then I thought, this is intentionally bad. Uh, so a few years later, um, I came across it on, on DVD after it finally got released. I picked it up and, and uh, I restored it. But the real litmus test was when I lent it to my, my father. Because um, I, I normally, if I like a show, uh, the, the real trick is to see if my dad likes it. Because he's very particular about the kind of shows he likes. He loves Firefly, for example, and Battlestar oh, Galactic. Like, yeah, yeah, he, 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 he Firefly. Spaced he loves as well. So I, I lent him this and, and he came back and like he, the, the eyeball scene was just right up his... It just. He he loved it so much. He just uh, and I was like, well, that that's that's it. That's the litmus test for me. I know that this show is uh, is really great because I've just gone handed it to my dad and said, watch this. I didn't give him <laughs> any indication of what it was like. I just like watch this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need to tell my brother about this show. Like I feel like he might find it really hilarious. But I don't I, think it's necessarily a show for everybody. <laughs> no, no, it's not for everybody. You either get it and you love it, or you just go, this is, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Pat. Yeah. With all the levels, yeah. I think it seems why it seems pretty clear, like, why maybe it didn't last. But, um, but now yeah. that you mentioned, like, all the meta levels and the commentary and all of that, I'm very curious. So I'll just have to see if they have it available in D- on DVD in the U.S., um, I'll have to do a little search for that. Yeah, it, it's not a not a heavy watch, and it's not very long. It's like about three hours um, for the six episodes. Oh, so really? I, so the yeah, episodes yeah. are only like half hour? Exactly. Yeah, that. Yeah, oh. like a lot of British shows just half an hour long. For oh six wow! Months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's an acquired taste, much like um, probably the the first item on the the agenda for for next time. <laughs> Which is very oh, much yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll start with another another uh, hilariously named episode <laughs> show. Oh, yeah, next week. yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, so we've been recording for a little over two hours now. So we decided um, to kind of break up this podcast into two. So, listeners, we will be uh, hopefully next weekend. We'll record because we have only gotten through half of our list so yeah. still have uh I'll, I'll i'll just give a quick run through for what people can expect we have frisky dingo <laughs> which is <laughs> a pet show. Yeah. and then yeah. um we have drive which is on my list which is a nathan fillion show samantha who on fens list and ching yep. daisies on fens list another brian fuller show and then yep. we have Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I'm obsessed with, and then Better Off Ted, and yes. Dollhouse. So there's going to be plenty to talk about with those, so we're going to kind of cut this episode into two and uh, end here. But uh, any final thoughts, then, about some, some of the shows we've already discussed that we want to say? Well, um, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's it's, one, it's really strange because I keep looking at all of these shows and, and hearing about, and I'm wondering if it's just I don't know if 
if it's because they're cancelled that I'm so in, I, I love these shows because they they burned really bright, you know, and very short, uh, and they didn't really have a chance to to get bad. There was no there's no fat in any of them. They're all right on message. They go quickly and uh, and fast. Um, and um, I, I'm well. <laughs> uh, I. I, I really, I just. No, I think that's an interesting point because, yeah. especially with Firefly, like I, I often wonder if it had continued, if it would be as sort of, if it would have been as an, as amazing as it was. Yeah. Like part of me almost is glad that it didn't continue, so it can be this special little small thing that is perfect and if it had gone on for like five seasons it might have had some bad seasons or some really bad plot points but it didn't have time for that same thing for like wonderfalls and my so-called life like like you said sort of not having fat not having um sort of have time and not any time really to decline yet because a lot of times there are points in shows where they do decline um and Joan of Arcadia kind of did a little bit, like it did kind of have a little time to decline, but then it was starting to get up and then it got canceled. Um, but like these one season ones, especially, I think it's almost like part of the magic is that they only had one season. Yeah. So, um, cause it could have got become grading after a while. So, I mean, I think that's a valid concern. I mean, but as it is, as they are, these, these little sets of episodes, um, it is pretty amazing how they stick with you and you just, for some of them, uh, you just really want to share them. You know, you just want other people to find yeah, out about yeah. them and, um, and you just develop this connection with these characters within not that many amount of hours, you know? So, yeah. uh, I think that's what's kind of fun about these little canceled gems is, you can kind of, and part of it too is you kind of feel special for discovering them sometimes. Like, yeah, you do. If, yeah, you know, even though uh, Firefly has definitely become a lot wider in popularity, there's something sort of special about about being a Firefly fan. You're sort of in a club, you know. You're in, you're a brown coat, and <laughs> and you know, a lot of people don't know about it, and and those people, there's like people who love Firefly and people who don't know about it, and you know, you kind of feel sorry for those people who don't. <laughs> 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 who haven't heard of it or, you know, and so th- there is kind of something almost a more like intimate relationship with the show when it doesn't have as many viewers. <laughs> almost. Yeah. A bit like being in a special club. Yeah. <laughs> special people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, the... for obsessive compulsive. <laughs> yes. For obsessive compulsive people. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, special with quotation marks. Um, but yeah, I mean like for, but it does become sad when these shows do end up, be, because they have so few viewers, they do end up canceled before their time. And um, and so then that's kind of sad because you want your show to be watched enough for people, other people to, um, for the networks to keep it on. Yeah. Um, but sometimes if a show is like so popular, it kind of becomes a victim of its own hype. So, yeah. So it's sort of like, it's hard to get in that middle of the road, you know, between getting canceled and getting overhyped and yeah. declining. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the indicator normally is something approaching a clip show. That's when you know a show's kind of uh, gone too far. But um, I just realized that uh, Dead Like Me actually has a clip show <laughs> oh. in, in its run. Yeah, it's it's terrible because it does. it's not even 
Lonestify clip show, and I think it's even in the first season that there is one. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but, so um, there is a, at least one filler episode in amongst all of that lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's another nice thing about the length is actually is, is, uh, I know it's, it's, it's like less of a commitment. You know, you get the whole experience of everything there, but it's not like you're sitting there and going, right, well, you've got to watch this. You've got to watch The West Wing, that's, and it's like, what, eight seasons? Or you've got to see all The Sopranos, and that's like six, six right. full seasons. And you get through, it's a bit less. It's like, you know, give, give, give this a try. It's it's not, it's only 14 episodes. It's two seasons. It's, um, uh, you know, it, it is easier to to commit to that. I find. Yeah, that's why I've been watching them. Is I go well. I know how much. I know how long this is. I normally have a look to see whether it's going to be can- whether it went on a cliffhanger or it went on reasonably its own. Terms. I do go into them because um, I still haven't quite gotten over if there's a cliffhanger. I'm like I'm not as bad as one of my friends who. Um, I think it was one of the. Uh, I think my. One of the Harrison Ford, um, Clear and Present Danger. I can't remember the name of the character, but one of those films where he ends and you don't find out the gender of his kid. And, and my friends went livid over that. <laughs> Absolutely, he hated it. That there was, there was, you know. So I'm, I'm not that bad, but I still do get a bit like, oh, cliffhangers. Uh, you know, uh, I want it to, to have some closure. Most of these do. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not like total closure, um, but I mean, I have to say, out of the list, I think Joan of Arcadia is probably the worst ending, um, just because it just starts this whole new thing in the last episode, and you never get to see that. Um, So, and then once we get to things in the rest of the list, but we can kind of go more into that. Um, But yeah, a lot of these other ones. They just sort of, I can be sort of happy with ha- what we have, and I, I definitely, I'm happy with what we have of Firefly and Serenity, and I don't, yes. need, I don't need a trilogy, I don't need a sequel, because no, no, I'm almost kind of like worried if we did get one that it would like destroy the magic <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. It would, it, it would be like the Phantom Menace. Oh yeah, see that's <laughs> the other thing, George Lucas. See the st- Star Wars is like looming in the back ground yeah. over all of this like ooh, and yeah. if we don't want to have a prequel situation um, or um, or uh, uh, an indiana jones 4 yeah <laughs> yeah and actually speaking of serenity there one of the yeah. ideas is because characters do die in that movie yeah. if there was another movie would it be a prequel because then you could have all the characters and then you have to think about star wars and cry so <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I think I, I think what what you pointed out like about uh, being less of a time commitment, it's also less exhausting in that way because yes. sometimes yeah. there's so much in a big show that's like eight seasons to go on oh, yeah. that you can kind of get exhausted from it, and and there are points in the story that are weak, and it can start to change your opinion of it, which is kind of yeah. sad. And so if shows do go on too long they really do change and become something different and maybe what you originally liked about it, it no longer is. So, I mean, there's also the, the, the flip side of that, which is like Buffy, which is if I have to choose between Buffy and Firefly, I think I would choose Buffy because there's just so much more yeah. uh, to love. And, um, when I finally did, even though I watched Firefly first, 
Um, and I probably think Firefly is like maybe a higher quality show. Um, and it's the one I recommend more because I don't think Buffy is for everybody. Um, like for my dad, my dad, for example, I don't think we'll ever watch Buffy or never like it, but, yeah. um, but I think pretty much everybody should like Firefly unless something's wrong with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I understand why like certain people, maybe Buffy is not their type of cup of tea or something. But for me, it's a very emotional connection that I have to that show. And it's probably my favorite show of all time, maybe tied with like Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> because there is, and there's just so much, and there's just so many levels of that story to just go. So, so I mean, both are good if they're done well. Uh, but, but there's always a danger with going too long and with, uh, yeah. So. No, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, you need to, you, a show needs to finish when it's still good. It has to go out on, um, uh, you know, you don't want um, something dragging out and eventually trickling away. And by the end of it, you look at it and you go, oh, uh, what happened? When did this turn bad? You want it to finish its own terms with a good, uh, a high note, really, if you can, or a in some cases, a rather depressing note, but <laughs> so, so, but, but the, with with a complete yeah. vision, with a proper ending, you, you know, with the end in big capital letters across the end of the credits. Yeah, this is it. We're done. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of these do get that to a certain extent. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, any final thoughts, or should we go ahead and close? I, th- I think we can close, although okay. maybe I should apologize in advance for um, for what it's going to be like when I start <laughs> talking about Frisky Dingo. <laughs> <laughs> a little teaser for next week. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if anybody has any, um, any of the listeners, if any of you guys have any commentary on what we've talked about or questions for next week or um, – any additions to the list that you want to uh, you want to mention? You can email me at heroinetv at gmail That's h e r o i n e t v at gmail And so, you know, if we get any feedback, I don't know if we will, but if we do, we could read it on the podcast and see yep. what other people think. And then also, um, uh, you can sort of look forward to that next week. I will. Um, I look forward to talking to you again, Fen. I'm glad yep. that we did this. Um, and it's pretty cool that technology allows us in these completely different countries, completely different time zones to uh, have a chat about the same TV shows. Which yeah, yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, fun. television, the big common <laughs> thing. The unifier. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it's pretty awesome. So thank you for being on, Ben, and thank you, listeners. I know I have uh, been very remiss in podcasting, um, but it really um, has been sort of beyond my control uh, because I had technical issues. <laughs> so I lost the podcast I recorded last week, and now my um, my sister is really busy. She's been moving and all that, but. Uh, Frantesca and I do hope to have a podcast uh, sometime soon on Mad Men. So we didn't forget about Mad Men. We love Mad Men. We're obsessed with it. Um, so we're going to do one soon, hopefully. So Okay, then. Uh, thank you again.